This episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, it's an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy for you to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Uh, support This Is Only a Test by giving Squarespace a try. Uh, you can get a free trial at squarespace.com and 10% off your first purchase by using the offer code TEST. That's just T-E-S-T. Thanks. Hey, let's start the show. It's October 17th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith, adjusting cables at my feet. Uh, we have a great show today. Norman Chance here. So, it's very Babe Ruth of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Why is that Babe Ruth of me? You don't, you don't, you don't point to where you're going to hit the home run before you hit the home run. Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, what, it's Saturday, every episode of Saturday Night Live in the last 30 you should, years you start has with, started with, we have a great show tonight. That's because they've been doing it for 22 years. But or, they did it on the first show. They had no idea if it was going to be great. You gotta, you, you set the, the, the greatness in the audience's mind, and they're like, you know what? That was a great we show. We have a great effort for you today. We're gonna, we're gonna, this is going to be the, the 35th best show we do this year. 52 a year, number 35. That's at least 50%. or better. Wesley Fenlon is joining us today. Hello. Hey, Wes. The great show thing, that's Conan's thing. Is that Conan? Every show. I mean, I'm sure SNL they does do it, it on too, SNL, too. But Conan's thing, his monologue... Opens? ...always opens with him talking about how great and, I think, usually also terrible his show is going to be. Well, I, I... And I, I feel like he delivers on that pretty much every night. Both great and terrible? Yeah, both great and terrible. Because yeah. you can be great and Agreed. awful at the same time. Triumph. I mean, yeah. that says it all. The masturbating bear. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he's just a weird-looking guy. Is Arcade Fire here? No, we don't have Arcade Fire. That would be. I would love one day to just pan over and be like, "Hey, hey, guys, uh, we've got MSFTKRM," and then there's a band over there. That would be amazing. I think the photo studio downstairs would get kind of pissed off, though. I feel like we don't have the right space for a right kind of venue for a band. We're they, next to a bar. They might be big fans. I mean, they could know. be. Hey, if there are any bands out there, you know, we have a live event next week that we could use a little in-house music for. It's a 24-hour podcast, you know, for the kids and doctors and electronics. Do you know any famous flautists? I, um, we know a couple of cellists. What about a harpist? Um, I don't think we get a harp up the stairs. It's a pretty tight turn. Harp's a big instrument. They're heavy. It's like a piano on its side. You some. You play the piano. I mean, we, we that's basically a, a harp without, key, without keys, with keys. Are there electronic harps? I, there's that laser like harp. Electronic pianos? We've seen the laser harp, right? They have, have that at the, the yeah they have it at the exploratorium maybe it's, does it shoot lasers or it's, the strings are replaced by lasers that's the best instrument that's like the guitar it's, of harps it's the it's the, so the holophone break the uh, the line of sight between exactly. the laser that's so it's binary though uh, I think that it also works on a on a uh, you know because you can break part of the laser beam you can just go through a little bit the laser beams aren't points that's not there's, that's not strumming. That's just. I think it's. I think it requires incredibly pre- precise fingering. We'll see that in a couple of weeks at the end of the show. Um, yeah, we got a good show today. I think. I think there's a lot of dumb stuff to talk about. So, uh, uh, so, but before we do that, Octobercast, we should we should tell people about this. It's next Friday, mm-hmm. a week from tomorrow. 
Okay. How are you feeling, Norm? Uh, in terms of adjusting my sleep patterns, haven't done that yet. Okay. Um, are you, do you feel prepared? As prepared as I always am. So the bad thing about this year is that the first year we had no idea what we were getting into. Which was right. part of the appeal. That was good. That helped, I think. That made it easier. The second year, we knew exactly what we were getting into. But I think I remembered it being easier than it was. It was easier. It was much easier than the, the second first year. year. The second year well, was we, much easier. We knew what to expect. However, well, you also slept the night before, right? Which helped. Did you not sleep the night before the first one? I slept the night. The first year, I remember you getting very little sleep in just being like wired for cranked the, up the occasion yeah huh that was it was hard maybe the, that was the excitement for the iphone 4s probably both you yeah. were looking forward to siri i i, I didn't get waiting didn't get one waiting yeah you didn't i didn't get one day of oh right that's right gary and mine just had our trip to the office um so yeah so october cast if you don't know 24 hours if this is only a test gary will be here norm you'll be here mm-hmm. i'll yep. be here we're going to sit down in, in the in this very podcast studio for 24 hours, there's a clock behind us. We're going to set it at zero, zero, because it's going to be noon when we start. Okay. And when that clock goes around once, we'll be halfway done. And when it goes around twice. The small hand. The, the small hand. The, the short hand, yeah. not the seconds hand. When it goes around twice, we'll be all the way done. It'd be nice if it was just the, the seconds hand going around twice. That would be amazing. Be that would be amazing. A two-minute podcast. We do, do, do that three times a year. Shortest podcast. Yeah, how much? To, you're not going to get the longest podcast. How many guests can we pack into two minutes? So we have a bunch of guests coming. Jeff Green making a, his third appearance on October Gas. He's the only reason I'm coming. I, I'm we, we're I think we're just going to seed the whole afternoon, the second day to him. Like after the show ends, we're going to leave the stream run and put Jeff Green out here and see what he can, comes up with. He'll be live stream something like a game. I know we'll be live streaming. But you think he's going to bring Peggle too? Peggle harder. We're not asking anybody to bring like this is a purely a fun event. Not but you guys are going to do stuff. some some Oculus stuff, right? Uh, or Patrick hope, hoping to Patrick Klepek has promised to help to help curate a selection of horror games to play in the wee hours of the night. I, I wearing I the stand Oculus. By the, my challenge, which is four hours in the Oculus Rift. You'll do that four hours, and then without, but, without taking it off, without taking it off, um, and and after f- every minute after four hours. You have to pledge a dollar. What's your? What's your? Dude, you were gonna blow chunks way before four hours. Well, yeah, well I mean, he can blow chunks and keep. If he keeps it on, he keeps going. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's true. That's who's, gonna, who's gonna clean him up? Though? I'm not. We're, we'll, the, the, he's gonna, we're gonna put him on a tarp over in the corner. The challenge is. I mean, that's how you would pledge. I, I, the pledge need to come beforehand. If you pledge, you have to pledge. What's your cutoff for doing hours? this? Five grand. If you get five grand in pledges, you'll do this. Um, well, it depends on time because. Uh, after four hours, every hour is potentially sixty dollars in pledges per person. So that's, per person, that's not that much money. If you if you're planning on you know donating twenty bucks, fifty bucks, if you get ten people, it's six hundred bucks. That's right. So it all it only works if there are a lot of people who pledge. So Maybe, I need I need I think at least say thirty twenty pledges. Start a forum thread. And this is after you've worn it for four hours already. Yeah, so it's an endurance to reach four hours. I mean, obviously, you want people to donate what, the, throughout the whole thing. What, what, what do people pledge if you make it to four hours? Like no, no, you don't, twenty bucks if, each. If you get, if is I, there ju- a base if I level? just make it to four hours, nothing happens. You, you like, and and four hours that's cut off. That's I think it. you're making this too hard on yourself. No, that's why it's a challenge. That's that's it, that's enticing the pledge. Let's let's put this in context. Every minute after four hours, a dollar must be donated. What's your record? To date, for Oculus Endurance, I think maybe forty minutes. minutes. Yeah, forty-five minutes. And how did you feel at the end of forty-five minutes? All right. 
you looked pretty green. No, I mean at home. All right, no problem. Okay, well, when you did it here, I thought you might. We might need to get a bucket. The, the software is better. Here. The, the software, software is, is better. Software is better now. That's true. Um, okay, so Octobercast. We're starting next Friday at noon. That's October twenty fifth. If you think four hours is unreasonable, I'm willing to compromise and say three hours. I would say but bring I it think, down to two. I think two is not challenging enough. That's more than double your current record. I, well, I'm going to let. I, because remember, the goal here is to raise money, not to watch you suffer. I mean, but ideally, we get to do both. So what do you think is acceptable? You think two hours, I think two hours will, will reach suffering? And then after that point, the clock starts ticking on the pledges. Buck and a, a buck a minute. That's like doing 100 push-ups as opposed to 1,000 push-ups. I'm, I'm telling you, the point is we want to make money for the kids and, and the electronics and the doctors. Right, if enough people will pledge so, for two, two hours being the, the, uh, the starting point um, – one dollar per minute after two after hours. Two hours of Oculus Rift. So that's say sixty bucks an hour. You're not going to make it past four hours. There's no way. Is this two hours of you playing games, playing games. on it? Okay. Play do games. we get to choose the games, or yeah, do you get course. to choose the games? No, no, no. Oh, everyone else gets to choose the games. Oh, and if you pledge more, if you let's say if you oh, donate yeah, yeah. more than the fifty bucks, pledge, you get, get to, to pick choose, the next game. Get to pick the games. Well, yes. Assuming like we don't that. fill out too far. Yeah. So the people who who pledge, we'll we'll work out some real rules before the show. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out how it'll all work. Um, that sounds great. So we're, it's just going to be nothing but Slenderman. 24 hours of amnesia machine for it's pigs. It's going to be whatever is going to make you jump scares the easiest. Yeah, they, they're going to pick the stuff that has no, all I the... I think it's, it's more fun to see terror than to see puking. I mean, maybe you finish off with puking because you I only think, get that once with terror. That's a, that's a gift that keeps on coming. I'm going to go ahead and tell you a secret. They want terror so terrifying that you end up puking. They no, want so you, both. You talk, cap, it with, cap it with puking. Well, but okay. Well, we'll see. This is this is sounds like a revolting thing. We might have to put this in another room so we don't have to smell it when you finally let loose. Buy, buy some. Just bring some extra clothes. So last year, you guys intentionally started at the end of the day to make it a little tougher to go twenty four hours, right? Yeah. Are there plans? No, no, no. I, I don't think it was. It, no, we wanted to do it for time zones because we were worried that people on the east, on on the west coast would be at work at noon and wouldn't be able to watch the first six hours of the show, which seemed to be a real thing that happened. So are there any plans this year to up the challenge for staying awake 24 hours? No. It's hard enough as it is, Wes. Just wondering. We're old, except for Norm. Gary and I are old. Also with child. Yeah, the children thing has my sleep. I, I, I understand how Gary came into this last year thinking, oh, I, I now have superpowers. I can do this. But that's not really the way it works in the real world. The way it works in the real world is that um, I, I'm bad at not sleeping now because I sleep any the earliest opportunity I get at any moment. I went to bed at 830 the other night. It was great. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we're at. October cast noon to noon, 25th to 26th. We've got a bunch of great guests lined up. Uh, Patrick Norton's coming back. Jeff Green's going to be here. Uh, I, I, the Gerstman himself will arrive at some point in the morning on Saturday, I believe. Um, you know, familiar faces. And we have some new folks coming, too. Uh, so get ready. We'll have details on how to pledge early next week so we can start get the money rolling. Um, and like I said, we're doing three charities this year. People had asked for more than just one last year. Uh, so we're still doing Child's Play. We love Child's Play. They do great work bringing toys to kids in hospitals around the country and world. Uh, we're also adding the ability to pledge to Doctors Without Borders. Does, they do great work uh, you know, taking uh, doctors to places where they're not trip- typically you know, modern medicine, where modern medicine is difficult to come by. What about Doctors Without Borderlands? 
That's a different thing. Okay. That's uh, that's people with funny voices, and there's a lot of guns. Um, and then the other thing is the Electronics uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, who uh, well, we I mean, if you've been following the site, you probably know what they do. But they they kind of fight for internet freedom and uh, you know against oppression. So both really important causes. They're both good. Sure. Cha- all three are great charities, and they they fit the criteria of low overhead and. And um, especially and, and a little bit us, of money makes a difference. Given that the EFS, EFF uh, just uh, sent an attack against patent trolling for podcasting patents. Yes. It's important for patent. It's very self-serving. We're going to denote that money goes to specifically to defending us in court. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, as before, the money, we don't touch the money. It's going to go straight through the service that we've, that we've set up. Um, I went to I went to Tahoe this past weekend. Really? And I I am, I am back in the blackjack game. So if you want to donate, oh no, for me to put on blackjack, no. I could quadruple. The guaranteed. It's a, gar- it's a guaranteed. It's a guaranteed system. So what you need to do it's, is it's, you- a, it's, a, it's a riff off the MIT system. You need to set up an Indiegogo for Norm Chan's blackjack fund. To be, proceeds to be donated to charity of your choice. I play single deck. Oh, you play single deck? As Don't they shuffle like every three times then? With five people, they shuffle twice. Oh, that's terrible. So much shuffling. If they play single deck, you, you know what cards are out there by the, by the last hand. Well. Depends on how many people are playing. And all, Yeah, depends on where you're playing also. Do you play multiple hands at once? No. Which, you went to South Tahoe? South Tahoe. Okay. Harvey's. Harvey's Casino. I went to Guerneville this weekend. What is a Guerneville? Gern- <laughs> is that is that Greenville? No, Gern- Greenville. Gern- it's G U E R N E V I L L E. It's a it's in the mount. It's a, well, it's not in the mountains. It's on the Russian River Valley. So if you've ever tubed down the Russian River, which is a thing that I hear kids do these I days, tubed on lakes other rivers and other rivers. Yeah, it's the same as that. There's beer, and you float down the lake and float down the river, and and usually you bring a tube for your cooler, and then some creepy guy in a van picks you up and drives you back to your car at the end of the day. You get everybody gets really sunburnt. Um, this, it's too cold for that now. So it's a quiet, peaceful little mountain town, but it's not really in the mountains. It's like 500 feet. It was nice. We saw a quail. We saw some deer, uh, mountains. I saw crazy fog one morning, like it poured in and then poured out. I wish I had the time-lapse thing for the camera so I could have uh, taken pictures of that. Can't get any of that here. Nope. It's a different kind of fog. It's clean fog up there. It's not Carl. It's Bob, Bob, the Northern fog. Norm, what was in, what was in South Lake Tahoe? Gambling? Oh, why was I there? Yeah. Uh, the gambling was there. Uh, I was there for a friend's bachelor party. Ah. People, people are getting married. It happens. Last year, last year when we did Oktoberfest, these uh, portraits weren't, were barely up. I remember the reason being stressed out last we year had was quite a rush. waiting oh my God. for FedEx home delivery to deliver all the frames and then rushing in and then framing and being only able to frame the four frames, yeah, four to- pictures. To put up. To no, be we, clear, we got all the well, we got them all in frames. You didn't have time to nail hang, them. hang everything. It was it was the hour before the show started. Like, yeah, literally at five o'clock in the afternoon, I was sitting here going, "Where the fuck is everybody?" Joey was here. I was here. Gary wasn't here yet. Norm, you you guys were waiting for frames or something. Yep. And I was like, I I don't I don't know if I just picked, imagined it was going to be me and Joey starting the show. We were literally standing outside. I drove around looking for the FedEx truck, waiting for the FedEx <laughs> truck to to come around the block. It all ended up okay. I don't think. I don't think uh, that was the debut of the new set too. We painted the wall maybe the week before. Um, the frames turned out really well. The frames look great. They've they've decorated the wall for a year now. It's hard to believe. Um, should we talk about news? 
Anything else on Octobercast? You just come watch the show. It's a good show. We sit down. The format is that we sit down and we'll talk to people for 40, let's say 40, 45 minutes each guest. Um, maybe roll some people over into the next segment if they want to stay and, and uh, just sh- kind of shoot the shit. It's how all many, BS. How many mics are you going to have set up max? Four, five? I'm going to ask Jeff if I can borrow his four mics too, which would then give us eight mics total. I have to. I, it's I a lot of mics. I haven't confirmed that I'd asked him and then never followed up. So we'll see. Having a few more for the guests that you want to keep around would be cool, though. Yeah, it was good. I think last year we got kind of too. Well, okay, a couple of things we're not doing. We're not going to do auctions this year because they took a lot of time. No auctions. We're not going to do auctions. What? Because it, as we found last year, many people complained because a lot of people listen to the show after it's done, and all of the time spent on auctions was both boring and made them kind of sad because a lot of them wished that they could have um what about a silent auction that that's what we did isn't it or would we, we run it, it until after the event I I, also, I, I, okay all right well right sure sure okay Understood. i don't know I haven't gotten any stuff to give away yet either, so it would be difficult for us to do an auction um and then I think we're gonna do. We'll take 10 minutes at the end of each segment to kind of talk about charities and stuff like that. Maybe take some questions from people on Skype or that people send in with comments when they make a pledge or something like that. And, and we'll uh, have a little more structure. We're also – I know a lot of people are concerned because we said we're streaming on YouTube. Uh, we'll be streaming 720p on YouTube. We have an archiving system figured out for that. Uh, and then we're also going to experiment and make see if we can maybe dual stream and send to Justin TV or Ustream or something like that. At the same time, just because I know a lot of folks in, let's say, Germany and some other countries are completely blocked from YouTube streaming. So um, so that's it. And then Mixler, assuming that stuff still works, we'll, we'll do that as well, again as well because people seem to like that. Having an audio-only stream that works on your phone if you're out and about. If you, if you actually want to leave your house between October 25th at noon and October 26th at noon, you'll be able to take us with you. So that's it. That's Octobercast. No sacrifices. Nothing. No, no. No stream left behind. Will there be a schedule? I don't guess. Or is it going to be a surprise throughout the show? So we've discussed this in the past. What? 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 I don't know if it's better to not let people know what's coming up so they keep watching, or if it's better to schedule stuff so that they they come back for the high points. Because I feel like maybe if somebody doesn't, if somebody knows that. The person they're waiting for isn't on until two hours from now. They might leave their house, go get some Cheetos or a Subway sandwich or something. Tease it during the show. I'm just saying, will there be something? I was not planning advance? on posting in an advanced schedule. We have not okay. done that in the past. If, if a lot of people ask for it, we probably will. We'll give them a, a range. We in, could do that. The, the wee hours, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, the, these people. And- I mean, we know that some things are going to happen. We know that, that Jeff Green will be here on Saturday. We know that Jeff Gersman usually gets up early on Saturday morning and comes down to, to see how broken we are. We know that Patrick Norton brings donuts in the wee hours of the morning usually. Um, I would assume that we will do Oculus Horror in the darkest parts of night, you know, to try to scare, scare, reach maximum scare. Okay. Um, it is a week before Halloween. It is a week before Halloween. I think that we are should... costumes encourage? Uh, if you want to wear a costume, I strongly encourage it. Hmm. You're going to bust out the Dragon Con costume again or you have something else planned? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Hmm. I don't think I'm going to wear the tuxedo this year, although that did feel kind of special. Maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that's Octobercast next Friday. Uh, there's a post on the site if you want to know more. Uh, and we'll be telling people who the guests are early next week as we continue to confirm people. Um, and if you have somebody you think would be a good guest, post a message, send us an email, Twitter message, whatever you think is good, and we'll, we'll reach out and see if we can get them. 
News. 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 Newsies. It's the Broadway hit of the year. Is it a Broadway hit? It is a Broadway hit. You're suddenly a Broadway aficionado, Norm. This trip to New York is, has opened new doors of culture for you. New York is a, it's, it's, it's a deep reservoir of culture. It's waiting in it. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start. These are not in any particular. Let's start with iPad event rumors because that's, that's next Tuesday. It's four or five days away from now. Okay. Um, the event is, has uh, been confirmed and the invites are out. The invites say we have a lot to cover. Which implies to me that there's going to be some sort of cover-related news. Didn't they also say we have a lot more to talk about or something? Or was it just we have... We have the, a the lot to cover. Is, the, the clever tagline is... There's always a hint. It's we have a lot to cover. And the only products that have covers on them in the Apple lineup are iPads. So... So are you thinking a, surprise, a, a keyboard iPads. cover? Like what... <laughs> what What are they going to add to the fact that they have... They've already made covers. Right. Big whoop. Uh, well, maybe no, they're no, going to no. do type That's covers the idea. We, and touch covers. I, I don't think that the – this is re- really inane uh, <laughs> to a- analyze. Uh, we have a lot to cover is less about the cover than the, the lot. What, what do they have to cover? Oh, new iPads. Maybe, maybe there's I, the I, I lot. straightforward as that. I, I, don't think, Apple's, uh, maybe, I don't think that's even wordplay. That's just – Maybe Apple is well, opening yeah, a line we, of parking lots. We have lots. a lot to cover. Oh, what is that? What are you co- – oh, literally covering new iPads. In the there past, it's covered in the sense of to talk about and also to physically put a, a cover on. I will accept that if he pulls a sheet off of a table that has iPads on it. What if they are opening a new line of parking lots, the iLots, that where you can pay acceptable. with your cell phone? Um, in the past, they've done things like a thousand songs in your pocket, change everything, here we go again. And then they showed a picture of the jeans pocket, the little watch pocket on your jeans for the iPad, uh, iPod Nano or Mini. Um, what was the iPad Mini event? One year ago. Uh, I'm skipping forward. Thank, thankfully, Mashable has a, um, has a gallery for this. I don't see the iPad mini on this list. Um, I, I wonder how, how many of these taglines they go through before they uh, narrow it down to the final one. Because they know people are going to overanalyze it. Oh, here last year's was... We've got a little more to show you. See, so little, a little uh, is the keyword. <laughs> I think that they've really started phoning <laughs> it in. The old days, they were much better. Um, okay, so presumably some sort of cover situation. The rumors are that the the large iPad, the original iPad, will have a new mini style design, including thinner side bezels, uh, the narrower kind of bezels, narrow narrower bezels, but it's. Most obvious on the side, like the the distance between the edge of the screen and the edge of the iPad from the mock up from the from the leaked photos looks much much smaller than than anything we've seen before. Big enough for a thumb to sit there? I do not think so. No, I I don't know. Unfortunate. I don't know how what they're thinking if they make this unless it's miraculously less than a pound, which seems unlikely. Okay. Um. The the everything gets a seven or a seven X. Typically, the X versions of processors are just clocked up a couple of hundred megahertz. So presumably, that will be the same 64-bit processor as in the uh, as in the iPhone 5s. However, uh, as I was talking to Anand a few weeks ago, he had concerns about the memory bus width in that A7X processor. It's it's a uh, it's a narrower memory bus than has been in previous iPad processors. So it's unclear whether 
how it will do with the increased pixels, the increased number of pixels on a, on a Retina iPad. Um, maybe color iPads, slate gray and silver. So uh, skipping the gold on the iPad, probably a good move. Uh, but adding colors to the to the full wait, size wait, 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 iPad. Full size iPad already comes for the in. metal, not just for the glass. So you're talking like multiple SKUs in terms of black, white, and then the back. No, no, no. I think the the white one will have the silver back, and the black one will have the, the slate gray back. Black back. It's not it's very, a huge yeah, jump because the silver right now is right in the middle of that. Yes. Um. Uh. A mini Retina. Uh. Presumably the quad resolution screen, same as the, the full size iPad, which will give it a much higher pixel density than I think anything else that they're selling right now. Um, also with an A7 or A7X, same body style as the current Gen Mini. This is this is an exciting product for me. But are there, if it exists, there are conflicting rumors, right, that it either will or will not have the have a Retina screen and update to the latest processor, or if it'll have like the A6, A6. instead of. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the past history has been that the, the Mini comes out with the year-old processor. I wonder, like, I think they released that and didn't know who was going to buy it last year. Everyone. Right. I mean, that's the thing is everybody I see, like, I see business people carrying Minis because it's a, it's a friendlier size. It's a better size to carry. So if they don't update the screen and the processor is just an incremental jump, it'll still be an okay tablet. But if, if they do the quad res and the... The A6 yeah. or A7X, that's going to be... It's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're, unless you're super price-sensitive or already locked into Android. Um, they can't do parity between, uh, of tech specs between the full-size and the mini and then also have the price gap. At well, they point, can because it's a bigger screen. I think Your 55-inch TV and your 60-inch right, TV have the same I think, specs. I think small size is a premium in terms of tablets. I, they have not, that has not been the way things have been priced to date. I, I think that in, in the mentality of Apple... And, and, and I think in I, consumers, I, you would pay the idea if you if you gave someone the large one and the, the small one, I gave you those options at the same price, you would have cho- you would choose a smaller one because of the increased convenience. Oh, absolutely. So I think realizing that, I think that's I think they're you think it's a five hundred dollar mini. I think that the, instead of posing the, pricing the mini in the minds of consumers as the downgrade from the uh, from the full size, I think there are two separate product lines. If you want to go full size, you have the full size, full speed, or full size mini, half speed, which yeah. is like the iPad 2, which is cheap and can be used in schools or at retailers. And then as a separate line is the mini, which the advantage, and they're, they're uh, uh, positioning it as an advantage, is a small size. And you have the full spec mini and also the half spec mini. I, I don't, I don't. It wouldn't. I would be a little bit surprised if a Retina Mini comes out at the three hundred and thirty dollars price point. Although they're competing with the Nexus and the Kindle, which are both around two hundred bucks, and and are similarly specced machines. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that they're. I think the seven inch tablet space is, from a business perspective, real tough for Apple. I, I kind of don't care. I'm fine with those machines being cheaper than they should be in a, in a perfect Apple world. That's fine with me. Um, but the other thing you touched on is that there is rumor that there will be, continue to be a, a single, uh, an original resolution, 1024 by 768 mini that presumably will be 200 bucks. I would, I would think that has the higher price or has faster processor. Has a fast A6 rather than A5, which would, which is needed right now. So you think they're going to fork the mini, make a mini light and a mini? That's what I'm saying. They I may call it the original mini or something like that. 
just like they don't just like um, last year's mini but upgraded. It's like the it's like the five C model. Well, no, it's more close. The closer analogy is the iPad two. Sure, but they didn't change the iPad two. Well, they yeah they did. They changed. It was a behind the scenes change, but they they did a, a more efficient processor, so battery life got better on cheaper, the later spins. Cheaper of the for iPad them to make. Yeah, I I can't see them not going a six on every, across the board. Even in, even in that, it wouldn't even surprise me if they update the non Retina iPad to an A6 because of the iOS 7 performance on the A5. A non Retina Mini, they could definitely charge 250 for that. Um, still a premium over something like the Nexus 7, uh, but that would be very very attractive. Yeah, it's a lot for of people kids. Don't want the don't need the Retina screen on the Mini. Well, especially depending on what the battery impact is of Retina on and, and A7 on a Mini. It's 350, 250. You think 350? I, th- I think something stays at 3.30. Anyway, uh, we'll see next Tuesday. Uh, also, presumably, they'll talk about the Mavericks release. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Uh, it's in... Uh, the GM is out for developers. Um, I'm really excited to see how it increases battery life on my laptop, which is two years old, so I don't have... You have Sandy Bridge? Yeah, so I don't have the Haswell you know, battery life bump. Probably not much. But they, you know, they kind of played up their system idle technology. So I found I turned on the power nap stuff, which turns on, which lets you do background updates on things like your mail client and and OS app store apps that use the right APIs for push notifications and stuff like that. And it absolutely decimated standby time on my Ivy Bridge. Yeah, I don't laptop. use any of that stuff. Like, yeah. So to, if you if you if you install Mavericks and all of a sudden your your battery life goes to shit. Go into power and turn that off. I have like fix it. two apps out of the app store and I use web Gmail on my laptop. Right. So there you go. Um, the Mac Pro presumably we'll see. It's unclear. I would assume a date for that because they still haven't said, hey, we're going to sell this thing. They've said, hey, we're planning to sell this thing, but they haven't said when. And I don't think they've told us what it's going to cost yet. Five thousand. It's going to be expensive. Yeah, it's for it's for people who have serious business. Um, and then the other thing that still hasn't been updated is the Retina MacBook Pros. We haven't seen a Haswell update to that. They could just do a stealth update and update the App Store with that. But I'd assume that it wouldn't surprise me if that gets trotted out on stage. There was a rumor that came out last week that there, uh, Apple it would introduce a whole new line of MacBooks redesign. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Somewhere that would sit between uh, a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro. Um, and this is where you would get the small size Retina. And that, that would mean that you wouldn't get a retina screen on the MacBook Air, which increasingly is less likely given the constraints and then battery requirements and stuff like that of the physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that you would have something a little thicker than the MacBook Air. Um, Isn't that kind of what the 13-inch Pro, Retina Pro is? 13-inch Pro is pretty heavy. It's two. It's like Compared a pound and a half more than an Air, right. than a 13-inch Air. It's definitely heavier than your Air, so than I'm saying an 11-inch that Something that's maybe a 11- or 12-inch ultra portable but has a retina screen and is less the clam shit clammy like a- angle design of the air haven't so we seen kind some- of bringing back the the white plastic macbook like the tweener one the spot yeah, the, yeah it was kind of the student laptop like but the idea is that this that would be a way killed it the way to have that market have a small laptop market but not uh not have to put the retina in the air and, and meet that challenge but i mean are we seeing ultra books on the pc side uh with with Quad resolution screens now? Nothing the size of the air. Nothing. Okay. So not like Samsung Series 9 nothing, or 7s haven't had that is, yet. Not, not, not the 11 or 13 inch. Okay. So there, anyway, there we go. Presumably, I don't know that they're going to do laptops during the iPad event. That seems like something they might not do. 
But uh, And, of course, they'll let us know how the Apple stores around the world are doing. I bet the, the latest one is in Amsterdam. What do you think about Apple hiring Berber's CEO? It's the second fashion CEO or third fashion CEO in a row they've done for, for – it's for retail, right? It's for retail. It's, it's to take the place of the guy who uh, they let go. J.C. Penney. No, uh, oh. after J.C. Penney, after Ron Johnson of J.C. Penney, uh, who went to J.C. Penney. They hired the guy who to replaced replace Ron Johnson was the guy who ran Dixon's. I think it was Computer Chain in, right. in Canada or something. Right, and he left when Forstall left. Right or thereabouts. He was part of the great, the the great cleansing. The cleansing, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that it matters. I feel like those stores don't like they change. Absolutely matters. No, no, no. I mean, I I feel like that is a business that is established. No, no, but it matters because of where the stores don't exist now, which is international markets. And I think that well, the CEO, true. especially in terms of designing a retail experience, a luxury retail experience in overseas, which is what Apple considers itself, and the consumers considers Apple in places like Asia, um, having experience setting up luxury brands in Asia is a, a very, very important thing. Okay. So I, I think Burberry. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it makes more sense than buying a computer and getting a computer store person to come in and do that job. Yes, absolutely. Um, cause I mean the worst retail experiences in the world are computer stores. Who wants to go to comp USA guys? Um, I, I think, thought CompUSA was awesome when I was 11. Yeah, it was great when you were 11. And what, and what did you go to CompUSA to do? Like, what did you do? I remember my dad buying it. I'm pretty sure it was CompUSA. It could have been a circuit city. But I remember us being on vacation and him going, us making a specific stop so that he could go buy his first digital camera. Wow. And I think it was like one megapixel like a kodak that you megapixel. put floppy drives in it was you know i don't know what it used for memory it didn't use a, a floppy disk but it Compact was flash probably maybe and it was about there were uh there were eight inches wide it looked kind of like a a really shitty leica sort of we had a, we had a, my first job a kodak digital camera that was either 0.6 or one megapixel it was very very low resolution and you put a floppy disk yes, in the side. There was the digital camera that had. Yeah. Put a he, disk. he didn't buy the first digital camera. It was just right. his first digital no, no, camera. No, no, I know, I know. But it was probably within you know a couple years of them being on, on the market that someone a consumer could afford. Norm, what was your first digital digital camera? Uh, a Canon PowerShot, like a like a point and shoot S two hundred or something. Okay, like three megapixel S three hundred. Yeah, that that was a good time to get in. Like my parents, so my parents were here this weekend, and they're still using a Pentax that I got them probably eight years ago, they keep buying new ones off of eBay because they know how to use it. And it's three megapixels and it's a CCD. So it actually looks okay, but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a little long in the tooth. Um, do you want to talk about windows 8.1? Cause it is out today. I believe it is out right now. Yeah. You could go get it even as we speak. Yep. Stop listening to this podcast. Go get windows 8.1. It's a lot better. Uh, any of you use windows on a day to day basis? Or do either of you have eight, eight windows, windows eight on your windows machine? Eight. Do you have Windows 8 on your machine? I don't know. <laughs> Norm, you, nope, you rolled I, back, I rolled didn't back. you? Yeah, I'm still running Windows 8 at home. So I'll, I'll put it on tonight. Maybe I don't know that it's worth doing a, a video of 8.1 because I think we've already done that even, didn't we? Nope. I thought we did a preview of the preview release. Um, so what did they do to try to merge the there's a start mouse button now. and touch? But it's not the start menu. It's just a start button. Just right? a start button. But but it, actually, the start button is a is. A, I mean, that's good. It's a pretty good thing. But it still doesn't. At least in the last beta that I used, it still doesn't show up in the place that you kind of really need it, which is when you're in a metro app and you're not on a touch screen. 
so you don't know to go down there and click in that lower left hand corner. But it, it's they did a bunch of other stuff too. There's uh, uh they refreshed most of the core apps, so mail, music, all of that stuff has been updated. Um, and I think that those improvements are probably pretty incremental. But but at that at this point, incremental improvements on that stuff is a good thing. Um, uh, I want to say that they supported some of the new power management stuff that came with Haswell. Um, if you have Windows 8 right now, there's no reason not to upgrade to Windows 8.1. That is absolutely true. If you have Windows 7 point right if now, you have stay Windows with Windows 7, 7. right now, that's when you want to make the decision. So in terms of reviewing 8.1, the only people who should be reading a review are people who are not on Windows 8 at all. Uh, if, you're, if you've waited this long to go to Windows 8, just wait until Windows 9 comes out because it'll be another 18 months and hopefully it'll be better. Don't you think? You don't think they're going to do an 8.2? I'm sure they'll be. Typically in the past, what they've done is one major service pack, and then the next service packs are roll-ups of fixes. The only purchasing decision you should be making right now with regards to 8.1, the only way 8.1 affects your purchasing decision is if you're buying a new laptop, and it it will come with 8.1, and your decision is then, do I stick with this? Am I okay with this? Or do I want to roll back and buy a licensed copy of 7 or, or an old copy of 7 that you have and roll back to 7? Or if that affects your uh, buying of something like the Surface 2 or Surface 2 Pro, which yeah. you're stuck with 8.1. Uh, the other thing that Windows 8.1 adds that I, I think is my favorite thing in the whole list is that Microsoft is taking over trackpad drivers, uh, and that starts with 8.1, I believe. So uh, I don't know what the hardware situation looks like on the stuff that's coming out for this holiday, but instead of having shitty trackpad drivers written by people who, who don't understand how human beings use computers – Theoretically, someone on their UI team at Microsoft is looking at how people use trackpads and making sure that things like multi-finger gestures and multi-finger taps and all that stuff work consistently from computer to computer, uh, not just across brands and across trackpad types and all that. That's good. Which is a, like, just to be clear, the trackpad is why I started using Macs, you know. When, when I switched from PC laptops to Mac laptops, it was because the lack of input pointing input on PC laptops was so disjointed and bad. So this is a good thing. Um, uh, more Microsoft stuff. Uh, 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 what's his name? Major Nelson. I was going to say Colonel Taylor, but that's not, that's not right. Uh, Major Nelson demoed uh, Xbox One, the Xbox One Friends app, which is the first time I think I'd seen, I know they've done some other stuff, but it was the first kind of deep dive I'd seen into an Xbox One app. Uh, and it, it showed how their friends list works. They're, they're moving. Interestingly, I thought they're moving. And this probably applies more to us than to normal people. They're moving the friends metaphor on Xbox to be more Twitter like. So it's one to many rather than one to one. So you can be my you can follow me on Xbox and see what I'm playing. If I make my stuff public, I don't necessarily have to follow you back in order for that stuff to turn on, which is probably a good thing. Uh, assuming assuming you're, you don't want. You're not. You're okay with people knowing that you watch Netflix. Getting a lot. close. Getting close to next gen console like launch. Three weeks for Start, PS4. All the TV ads are rolling out. Uh, speaking of next gen console launch, Watch Dogs was delayed until spring. So that was, I think, the number one thing I was looking forward to playing on next gen consoles. That game was was that the first game that was shown off, kind of to be and clearly be a next gen game. It was because it, it was last year at E3 that that. That they first showed that right, and they wouldn't they wouldn't say like what it was going to be on. They said Xbox, uh, PC, and other platforms. Right. So yeah, that, that showed off last year E three. That was on twenty twelve E three. Yeah. I mean, it was that and the uh, the LucasArts uh, the t- 13, 13, 13 game that they also said would not would not specify which console, and that's from the that's Kotaku report 
uh, about the fall of LucasArts, uh, Xbox, Next Gen, uh, Xbox, or Microsoft and PlayStation were very angry about that. That game going away? No, no, about the developers showing that game and oh. not saying... Uh, this is for Next Gen yeah. platforms? Oh. The, um, so the Watch Dogs thing, yeah, they showed it at, at E3 last year. I think I snuck in to see the, the demo during the day that we were at E3. And it, it looked really good. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a neat kind of game. Uh, they said they needed more time for it, and they want to make it good. So they're holding it until, I think, even second quarter next year. So guys, I've been holding crunch. a sneeze in for 40 minutes. Go, I go sneeze, sneeze, Norm. It's, it's fine. It's the psychological toll of holding a sneeze We don't in. have it. Yeah, you don't break yourself. Um, I, I'm just, I just look at those launch lineups now. And there's not a ton like it's it's kind of I mean, launch lineups are always thin. I think a lot of the good stuff is going to I mean, the PS4 is going to have a lot of really good indie stuff, not necessarily right at launch, but pretty much all of that you're going to be able to get on PC, too. Right. Which is why I'm not super pumped for the the new consoles, just because the hardware is going to be cool and there are going to be great exclusives. But at launch, I'm interested in the streaming stuff, kind of, but there's not a ton of stuff I really want to play on. Day. Like, I'm not a Forza guy. Um, the uh, Final Instinct looks kind of neat, but like, I, I don't know. Wait, I'm ex- Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct. Sorry, I'm I'm all over the place today. Um, final Fight. Final Fight. Killer Instinct. Not so much. I'm not. Show I'm you guys bloody Rage. Out of Final Night. Final Fight. Final How Night's a whole different game. Roar. How long could you hold a sneeze in? I bet that would be great October cast, October cast challenge. It was hard to prompt a sneeze. When we were doing those high-speed videos, shoving, we had, shoving a pepper up your nose did not work. No, that just burned. It was really unpleasant. It made yep. a lot of snot, but not so much sneezing. Camera um, shy. You know, you know the worst thing was in college trying to hold a cough in, or in high school. In class? If you try to hold like a cough in, like a coughing fit, you would just like get really red and choke. It would, it Why would you try to hold a coughing fit in? Because you didn't want to cough out loud. Did you not have water with you in class? No, that's that was a good tip to have. Water yeah. was a good thing to have because it also kept you awake. Yeah, water keeps you awake. Um, so yeah, uh, Watch Dogs is, is delayed. As, I, as is Drive Club, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Sony's uh, like date. I'm not sure if that's totally confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that it's delayed. Seems like it. Um. Yeah, the launch lineups are pretty thin. Like you said, the indie stuff on PS4, they're, they're gonna. And if you haven't played stuff like Rogue Legacy and all that, I think that stuff's gonna be day one, right? I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know how many of the they had their great uh, event at their E3 press conference <laughs> where they got the like ten indie devs like up there playing their games. But I don't know if any of those are gonna be there at launch because most of those games are still in development. Like, yeah, like The Witness is clearly not going to be a launch title. Galaxy from yeah. 17-bit, like, yeah, those those games are coming out next year sometime, so they they will probably be day and date on PS4, but that doesn't help the launch any. Um, what, uh, what do you guys think about what do you guys think about the, did you watch the Steam controller demo? Which one? The one of them playing Portal with the cutout of the fingers on the pads, the cutout they they had in the video. I saw the like the five minute. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, like the, one the five minute Portal video about Civ five the, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yes. yeah, Civ five was the second part. So I thought the Portal part looked much better. So we should. So the video was basically a shot of gameplay and a shot of somebody's hands on the the new Steam controller. You know, the one with the two touch pads. It looks kind of crazy, um, and it looked pretty good. The Portal part especially, like if you took away the cutout of the person. With the gamepad, it would look more like someone playing with a keyboard or mouse than it would someone playing with a uh, like a 360 gamepad. 
and the, because yes. it's very, if you showed footage of someone who's playing with a 360 gamepad, you can tell the playing with that because the emotions are more like horizontal and vertical. Yes, like it, it's, it's more, it's less, it's not as fluid. Someone playing with a mouse sounds so like something we should test. They're they're moving around real quick, and this one was definitely more fluid. Obviously. They had gone through that demo many times. Yeah, but, the, but the impressive thing about that was they specified that, at least with Portal, I think all the games they played, but with Portal, the, the controller was working in like legacy mode. In other words, Portal was not a game that had, they did not code in anything for the controller's support. So, so it was basically just mapped keyboard mouse controls okay. for, for Portal. So, so it was mapped keyboard mouse not mimicking an Xbox gamepad. Right, and, so, not, and not designed to control well for the Steam pad. Like, they didn't do anything special. The left pad, and, and then the right pad, uh, uh, one of the touch pads being mapped to mouse is relatively easy. It's like, you know, just like a touch pad, a touch, uh, like a trackpad. Uh, but the right part being mapped to WASD, that was a more impressive thing. Yeah, and, and it looked like you had lateral... It looked like it wasn't just a straight four corners up, down, left, right. It looked like you were also getting uh, like the the like the benefit of playing third person games with a gamepad is that you have analog movement on the on the W uh, you know on the on your left stick rather than using binary keys. A yeah, D-pad, I've, I've never liked WSD for movement, especially compared to just having more right. more freedom from an analog stick but I mean, obviously you get so much from the mouse the way i've always looked at it with get with games like that is that you decide whether you want to have like stealth games work great with a gamepad because you can move the stick forward a little bit and go slowly on a on a keyboard you have to press a modifier key to get that same effect but you get it kind of back and forth but yeah but you can it's you can transition. do 180 immediate 180 degrees very quickly and and all that so it's a trade um I thought the video looked interesting and it kind of highlighted the the fact that they're very clearly designing that controller to work with games that don't already work with gamepads. The most surprising part of that video was the last demo, Papers, Please, which was only mouse, in which they use both trackpads, both touchpads to simulate uh, a single cursor. I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I kind of didn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on there. It, it Could you means, see? Yeah, so it's, it's just like, both touchpads would move one mouse and... So you can, when you move, when you lift your ha- finger up on one side, you could, you're ready to move it with the other side. Huh. So it's a lot faster, basically. Or yeah, smoother. but it seemed like that would be a really weird thing to get used to. Like, I, I think the, their point was that it, wasn't, it doesn't take much to get used to. Hmm. I've heard that with every single non-traditional controller I've ever seen. Hey, guys, you think after a 20-minute acclimation period, this space orb is going to be as easy to use as your mouse and keyboard. You think, about, think of it as having two trackballs uh, to control a mouse, and you know, your, your hand coordination between left and right hand is fluid enough such that you can control one thing with two trackballs. So the only thing that concerned me about the whole thing is that 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 the fast movements that you were seeing with the right thumb on the for aiming seem like they aren't hard to do, but they're actually kind of, that's kind of not a good motion to do over a long period of time. If you've ever used a thumb trackball and tried to play games with that, then eventually bad things happen to your wrist and or thumb joints. Um, so I, I wonder how much of that is going to apply here. Even will be be a problem. The Civ Five part I thought looked pretty good. The issue with that though is unless that game or games like that get totally new user interfaces, you cannot play that on the couch and be able to see your, oh. your cursor. In which case, why would you sit at your desk in front of your monitor with well, a Steam controller and play Civ that way? Like, I think this is a couch. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine that you would ever say, oh, I'm going to use my Steam controller if the keyboard and mouse is in front of you and easy. 
even like, yeah, so even if the the thing can emulate the mouse well, and I I found Civ kind of unconvincing. I thought it looked okay, but it didn't. It, it looked like there was a, you had to put a lot more effort into being precise, you know, with with the mouse pointer. Um, well, but, it was also telling that Civ is turn. I mean, Civ is a turn based game, so there's no there's no time pressure at all on you with that. If you were trying to do something, the stuff they were doing in Civ in a real time more real time game, it would be challenging and it definitely looked better than any rts played with a controller i mean it, it was yeah. definitely good i'm not sure if it how how good is the question and then on top of that how many games are going to completely rework their interfaces and make things really big so that you can play it from yeah. 10 feet away yeah um so that was this that was the steam demo um square this week rolled out a square cash which is the ability to send money to any email address for no fee uh, so it's basically like PayPal. I think you have to hook up your debit card rather than your checking account. I used this yesterday. Norm How gave did it me work? a dollar. I gave you a dollar, Wes. I don't think I've gotten it I yet. I tested it. I have it. to wait. No, you got it. Well, I got money's the, on, Money's gone from my account. I got the email, but it says it takes one to two days for it to appear uh, this, in your account, which so is pretty, pretty standard. Square yeah. uh, has made lots of inroads into uh, retailers as a, as a, way, as a, as a smart um, transaction mechanism for uh, accepting credit cards. Um, but I think they want to really get into the PayPal territory. When, when people send money to each other right now, they don't do Western Union anymore. They do PayPal. I don't think Western Union exists anymore. I think it, I think it still exists. Really? Maybe just in movies. But PayPal has problems. I mean, there's so customer service issues. PayPal works really well for stuff like eBay. I don't, know, uh, I don't even know if I'd say that. It's easier to send money with PayPal if you have your PayPal tied to a, a checking, bank account, a checking account, account because yeah. then you don't get fees and stuff like that. You have a history and there's fraud protection. Well, so with okay. with eBay, if you're buying, if, whether you're a seller or a buyer, PayPal is a big enough company that you can file a complaint and then you can get your money back. But, also, well, if you know, a big if you're a company to screw people over and they can't do anything about the, it. The problem is if you're a buyer, it's fine. If you're a seller, it's problematic because if somebody disputes your purchase or what you sold them. Then basically the recourse is your go fuck yourself. No, no, you don't lose the money. PayPal ponies up I, money. I do not know. Sellers that get, is the case. Sellers get fucked over on eBay yeah. a lot. That That's sucks. why sellers don't sell to people with bad with low or bad feedback. I, of course, there's no way to give feedback from from sellers to buyers anymore. Anyway, uh, so Square Cash is I think Square's way of moving into PayPal's territory of transactions. I mean, I don't think most people are using Bitcoin these days uh, for buying <laughs> stuff anyway. Um, so the way it works is there's no website. There's, you don't use a PayPal like website. It's all through email. Um, if you want to send money to someone, you only use a website to sign up basically. Right. You, if I want okay. to send money to Wes, I send an email to Wes, your Gmail account, or whatever email account. And I put the amount of money I want to send to you in the subject line. And I CC uh, a website. I think it's a cash at swear.com or something. If anybody wants to send me money, yeah, send my, e- my email address <laughs> is just my name at Gmail. So, and, and so then, that's Wesley and, and, Fenlin yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, send me and that square money. CC W I L L at tested.com is how you spell that, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, if it's the first time either person yeah. in that transaction has used uh, Square Cash, they get an uh, email from Square saying, which in Gmail actually went to my spam folder. Great. Um, That's where you want it. Folder. Mine did not. Um, and it says, you know, uh, to receive or send money, you just got to go associate it with your debit card. So does it does. OK, so at what point does the money change? Is it when you send the email or if when Wes accepts signed, it? Uh, Wes has accepted. OK, because uh, in the email, you click a link and then 
if you already uh, signed up. There, so you get a couple emails. The first one is like someone wants to send you money and then you have to sign up and accept okay. it. And then it, you get another one that Does it changes from money. a little purple card that says like someone wants to send you this amount. Right. And then it changes to a green one where uh, yeah, so for hey, hey, it changes from a purple card to a blue card. Yep. So then so they're doing this for free, right? It is free right now. Uh, there is a max because it can be anonymous. Uh, it's $250 a week, the most you can send. What if it's uh, not anonymous, though? If you want to associate it with your Facebook account or put in your social security, last four digits of social security or a full name or something, a little bit of private info, then you get a max of $2,500 a week. Okay. The way they're going to make money on this is uh, having either a subscription plan or a per uh, – Exchange like rate a, plan for international transfers, or, or probably they'll they'll do free up to two hundred fifty dollars, and then start charging a fee beyond that, or something like so that, right? Inter- international transactions is how they plan on making money. So but I think they want to get get people stop using PayPal and then getting Square embedded in their brains. That that makes sense to me. And there's not a lot of goodwill out there for PayPal. No, people I mean, hate PayPal. There's a lot of use of PayPal because it's yep. what you use, but. I mean, you don't have a, it's what's the it's what you got. Development cost for this is super low because it's there's no big website infrastructure. The downsides are you get no history of transaction, so you oh, have to search your so email. there's no well, there's it's no record your, on the site. It's on your bank. There's no site. There's no site. There's no login. You're not you're not creating account. So it works like TripIt. So you just send an email and you CC this email address, I mean, and, the, the and then it knows yeah. that you're going to New York next week, and also I owe you fifty bucks. The site is really just a page you go to and put in your info and that's the one time all, all there is to and, it in yeah. their database they'll associate your info encrypted uh with your email address that's crazy and that's it so there's there's no fraud protection there's no complaints money once money is sent that's it it's out of square's hands uh it's easy for them to set up because they have deals with banks all the major banks for square um and banks typically don't charge a fee uh to do debit transactions anyway it's a good I mean, it's, it has good potential for like people who do buy, sell, trade stuff on forums and communities and stuff like that, where they usually go through PayPal and you have the option to either send money as a gift to someone and then PayPal doesn't take a cut out of that. Obviously, you don't have the buyer or seller protection from that. Or you can go the, the seller method for transfer of goods and services. I would, yeah, I would not recommend this for anything but uh, gifts. It, well, it's... It's you get no protection. Yeah, it has to be based on trust completely. Yes. But if if it, you are like in a small isolated community, whatever, if you're transferring money with someone that you think is on the level, it's a very easy way to do that. So what? So okay. So then, what happens if your email address gets hijacked? Doesn't that mean that that person, like the first thing somebody does when they take over somebody's Gmail account, is going to be to send themselves fifteen hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars? Be yep. a one email message. Yep. So turn on two factor if you use this. Yeah. Protect your email account. Yeah. That's good advice just in general, I guess. Um, I wonder if there's, is there fraud protection at all that comes with this or nope. since it's free, it's buyer beware. Buyer beware. Okay. Buyer beware, guys. Um, HTC is going to make Amazon phones is the current rumor. HTC needs a win. HTC needs to make something that, I mean, Norm's phone's nice. Yeah, but it's not, it's not selling that not well. Not making them um, big money. At least um, not not uh, compared to how much money they put into it, right? I the HTC room, Max, or compared to anything Samsung makes. Yeah, the um, the other rumor that came along with that is that maybe those phones will only be available to Prime members, but they won't be free. So 
It's like a prime super phone or something like that. I, I don't I don't know exactly what Amazon's phone model is. Why would they that doesn't really make any sense. Oh, there's to, a lot that doesn't make sense. To there. only make it available, why would they limit the people who could buy the phone? What is the advantage unless, of Amazon unless it's having so a phone? heavily subsidized that they can only take that hit, you know, selling it to a certain number of people, but that that seems dumb. I, I there was a lot of I don't understand Amazon phones. So Amazon uh, Google having a phone makes a lot of sense because yeah. they want to they want your information. And originally, we thought Android was going to be just so they could give you display ads and get more people using mobile web. But no, Android is a way for them to get personal information for them to power Google Now and their, uh, their knowledge graph. Yes. And uh, also sell ads, just and to be also, clear. But I don't think uh, mobile ads are such a small part. Mobile search ads. They're, they're making more money on mobile search ads with uh, iPhone. On iPhone than, yeah, that's than true. Android, anyway. Um, what is the advantage? Android or Amazon making tablets makes sense. Yeah, content uh, consumption because the people are reading stuff and they are selling ebooks. Arguably, uh, Amazon's the only one doing making money on subsidized tablets at this point. So, what is the advantage of Amazon from business standpoint selling a phone? I don't understand that at all. What is the phone user experience that would be beneficial to? Because here's the thing: I already have an Amazon Video and Kindle app on my on my iPhone. Actually, I don't have a video up on my iPhone because I don't really watch video. But if I was and theoretically the, the kind of consumer who bought who watched a video on his phone, I would have that instant video app. I do have an Amazon shopping app, so that's already there. And I have a Kindle app. Those are the things I use my phone for that involve um, Amazon. So I don't I don't know unless they're going to get into phone services or or do internet telephony or something like that. I don't understand what their what their what their play is here, unless they just think that they can that in, enhancing that ecosystem. You know, they they could be looking at the Lawrence Lessig platform and saying, "Look, we have a platform. Build, if we building that build out that brand. platform, yeah, it's going to make it more valuable for for us in the long run." I don't know. I mean, they if they already have, you know, they're they're kind of establishing Kindle as the Kindle Fire anyway. Is like this is our skinned user experience. You can do all this stuff easily. You know, blah blah Amazon yeah. integration. I don't know why not put that in a phone. I'm sure there's somebody. There are because people out there. Integration makes sense on a tablet when the things you're doing on the tablet are directly tied to Prime services. Maybe they want that that same experience to make sense to people on a phone too. Hmm. Maybe they think they can sell that to to mom and dads who like I, the the easy in and the media consumption. I mean, phones are big enough for that. Like you have your five inch phone screen. People will watch movies and stuff on that too. Well, and the instant video help like. That is a feature that that would drive people who are scared of technology to buying into buying that phone. Like you can hit the button and you get the help from a human being on the other end of the line. You see their picture and you know they don't have a weird accent or whatever. My parents are into that kind of shit. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know why you would buy an Amazon phone. But maybe 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 people will. Why would you the buy a thing, Facebook phone? I mean, that was, I don't think anybody bought a Facebook phone. I think that worked out right. Well, they didn't actually make. They, they have made Facebook phones in the past. There was the HTC, yes, but that was kind of it had a button. It had a button, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think Facebook was totally. They weren't committed to mobile at that point with it either. The the um, what about the Facebook the phone with the Facebook skin? The Facebook Home phone. Facebook Home, yeah. Facebook phone home. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot that. <laughs> that just came out last <laughs> few months ago. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about the HTC phone with the physical right, Facebook. Right. One. That was like ages ago, yeah, like a lifetime that, ago. And that was, and it was totally it was a disaster. Yeah, it was nothing. Complete shit show. Um, the thing I wonder is if maybe they're thinking by making their own phone, they can apply pressure to other people to pre-bundle their stuff. But that seems like a really expensive way to go about that. 
when they could probably just say, hey, Samsung, we'll give you some millions of dollars to put the Amazon app on the phone. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand Amazon's, Amazon making a phone. So maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. Um, uh, Nike de- debuted their Fuel Band SE this week. Uh, it's, the main update that I saw was that it's Bluetooth 4.0. Does it stand for a special edition? A second edition, maybe? Super edition? Strapping edition? Strong edition? Strontium edition? Also comes in colors? Uh, well, but it doesn't really come in colors. The inside of it comes in colors, and the outside is still the same color, well, it looks bullshit. like. Well, you can kind of see hints, I think, when it's on your wrist. It's subtle. Um, it also has a clock now, which seems like a good thing. It always had a clock. I think, I think the clock is maybe on more. It's unclear. I haven't tested it yet. Uh, it, this, the Bluetooth 4.0 thing seems good because that means it'll use lower, less power communicating back to the phone, which theoretically means you won't have to charge it as much. But it's the same design with the snap-out USB port and all that stuff. I think it's going to be kind of funny if the smartwatch burgeoning market, if you can even call it a market, is gets just eaten up by exercise, exercise bands. Watches? Yeah. I think there are more people that are into smartwatches that are into exercise bands, but I could be wrong. Really? I don't know. At, at, at the amount that they cost and what they give you, I mean. Well, what does the exercise band cost? 150 bucks max, probably? Yeah, 100 to 100. And a smartwatch is going to start at two? I mean, how much does the Samsung one cost? Like 350 Three, or something? 300 bucks, 350, yeah. It's a lot of money for an ugly watch. It is a lot of money for an ugly watch. I could get a real nice looking watch for 350 bucks. Yeah. Get a Fossil or a Casio. Um, there's still no Android app for the Nike stuff, so I guess iOS, Apple still has a relationship with Nike. Which seems a little crazy. Um, Cast AR Kickstarter went live on Monday, and then they funded like 36 hours later or something like that. They came by the office and demoed. Six hours later. 56. Yeah, they demoed the they demoed the the uh, stuff that they were showing at World Maker Fair. I hadn't gotten to see that yet, but it, it it's it, it's amazing how far that thing has come in the six months since since uh, Bay Area Maker Fair. For people who haven't seen the video, do you want to explain what Cast AR is? Cast AR is an augmented reality system that uses a uh, special pair of shutter glasses with a projector on above each eye and a camera, an infrared camera that you can use to uh, track your position and your head's position in space, both on the three axes and lateral movement as well. Um, and then what you do is you aim those glasses at a surface. It's a special surface. It's a, what you call it, a transflective surface? It's a retro-reflective. Red, yeah, so which, that, which means that it basically, no matter where you're shining light at it from, it reflects back at you. So it's like the stuff on your sneakers that shines when the headlights come at you or license plates or road signs are the same kind of materials. And you can buy the cloth for a couple of bucks a yard or something like that. It's not terribly expensive. So it's very directional. Very directional. And the upshot is... When you look at the surface with the glasses on, it will project a 3D representation of whatever it is you want to see, whether it's a game or a 3D model or something like that, CAD, whatever. You'll be able to see that. And the neat thing is, because of the way the shutter glasses work and the way the the computer controls all aspects of the system, more than one person can look at the same object in the same shared space. So the science fiction analogy isn't Minority Report in this case. It is... Um, the 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 hollow chests from Star the original Star Wars, you know, let the Wookiee win, or the Death Star hologram from Return of the Jedi, where they're showing the weakness in the structural plan and where the Endor moon is and all that stuff. So it's um it's pretty neat. Like it's one of those things you kind of have to see in person to to appreciate. Uh, but I was I was really impressed uh, with 
when we saw it at Maker Faire in the Bay Area, it was a little bit dim. Like even in a real dark room, you kind of had to squint and it was hard to see, especially if there were lights around. It worked in our studio with studio lights on the other day and I was I was very surprised. And then they were also showing the prototypes of the newer glasses, uh, which will have much, much smaller Pico projectors. And are those the ones that will actually you'll get from the Kickstarter? The Kickstarter yeah. targets are the new Pico projectors with 720p. Uh, but all the pixel increasing uh, pixel density uh, does is allow them to put different lenses on the actual Pico projectors themselves, so you get a wider field of view. Uh, with the current prototype, which is 64480, it's a 45 degree field of view. So even though you're looking at a, a big canvas, because you can put as much of the retroreflective material as you want on any surface, the demos they're doing right now are this like it's, it's like a canvasy flat surface, like a two like it, you know it's uh, like a photo studio where you have uh, a wall, a, a psych wall. And a uh, the surf the uh, horizontal surface, but you can plaster as much as you want on walls, on ceilings. You can you know put you can have ones hanging in the middle of the room or something. So holodeck. Yeah, but, I mean that's that's the phrase they're using. Um, I know. But even though you're looking at as much canvas as you can put on a room, what you're only seeing is as much as the projector can project. So so the current demo, there's a very limited horizontal and vertical. Edge, it does. Is it fill your fill your entire field of view? I thought the horizontal was okay. I thought the vertical was a little was a little narrow. So you can see the top and bottoms being cut off, uh, but left and right, it's fine. Uh, and but with the new one, they're expanding horizontal more to sixty degrees as opposed to forty five degrees. So you can actually move your eyes around um, and look around. Uh, I think they still need stronger light. Uh, there is an optimal distance for. With the reflectivity, because if you're imagine yourself in a room like you know even like a normal 10, 10 by ten by ten foot room, and you have the retroflective material over the rooms, your maximum distance is going to be about ten foot, ten feet, and these projectors aren't going to be powerful enough to project ten feet and then back and mm-hmm. be bright enough to be as bright as like a monitor. Well, so so when let's see when Jerry was holding that scrap of material about eight feet away in a semi-dark room, it was visible. Eight, eight feet away where? When she, I was standing over here and she was standing that's, over there. That's six six to eight? Yeah, it's about six feet. She got back almost to the MakerBot. Um, it, sound, like it, was, it was bright enough to see, but it wasn't bright enough that you would want to do something at length for, with that. But, I mean, the, the Pico projectors that they're using use LCOS, a, a liquid, that's liquid crystal and silicon, right? Um, emitters which aren't particularly bright right now. And they're kind of like, I think this is the first thing I've ever seen that actually used those in the real world. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I would expect it to move forward with speed. If they Just sell a like lot with of these. the Oculus Rift, yeah. this is something that we can imagine three, four years down the line as they get better access to maybe proprietary projectors or, you know, uh, just those technologies getting cheaper and, and better and faster and smaller than it, it being something more practical. I don't think that the version one is going to make sense for a holodeck. The version one is going to make sense for a board game, which or is still a pretty, widescreen game. Still pretty awesome. Yeah, it would be great to play cool. board games with people across the country. And the the real great thing is that uh, you can get as many people as you want wearing these glasses, as many literally as many people surrounding the board game, and each person will see a different image depending on computing power. Well, it sees their own view of the scene so, theoretically. Uh, yeah. So the game engine, you know, it's, it's so little data to process per glasses that you could have five people each seeing a different perspective of one the same scene um do we want to talk about blackberry for a minute rim i guess blackberry now 
they released an open letter and basically said, hey, guys, we're, we're still here. We, we don't owe anything and we're not spending a lot of money and we have some cash. So we're going to be here for a while. If you still have your BlackBerry and you like it, hold the line. We're coming back. It's going to be a hard road. But we're going to do it. So that happened. Okay. Um, good, good luck to them. Yeah. Sonos uh, re- unveiled the Play 1. So this, I assume, it follows their naming scheme of the Play 3 and Play 5, which are their mid-size and large Sonos-only streaming uh, speakers. Yeah, we saw it yesterday. Um, sound good? You couldn't tell because you were in a big hall. But it's tiny, right? It's like the size of an iPhone? No, 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 no. It's so it's like the size of an iPad. Uh, not not quite that large, but... It's, it's like the size like of a the tall boy of beer. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Um, this is, it's kind of expensive for that. It's 200 bucks, which I is like the same price as a jam box or expensive yeah. speakers. Um, but it only hooks into Sonos stuff. So if you have a Sonos ecosystem in your house already, you can hook in with that. Right. That's all they're selling these for. Right. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I think audio technology is way overpriced. The margins are very high. You don't say for headphones and speakers. Okay. But Sonos' stuff sounds good. Um, yeah, the streaming is rock solid. I assume this one probably sounds good as well. I don't know what the difference would be between the one and the three in terms of it's, volume and Well the know. three's pretty big. It's like the size of like a rear channel in a in a stereo. Yeah. You know, but, and all it does is allow you not to have the the uh, the receiver pl- and plug in your own speakers. It's just one box. For well, so so that's what all the plays are. They're standalone boxes and receivers. And I think they also all have line-ins. I don't know if the one does. But so you can plug in like an iPod or something like that and stream from one speaker to another one in the house using the same, you know, using their, their proprietary streaming stuff. Um, so that's this, it's 200 bucks. It's basically their whole marketing thing that I saw was you'd have to go on a lot of picnics to justify getting a jam box instead of one of these. But in order to hook this up into your network so that it, so that it connects to the, cause it, they're not, they don't have wifi. So you need to plug at least one of them into an ethernet port someplace. You gotta have a lot of rooms in your house to justify getting one of these. That is also true. Well, if you already invest in Sonos ecosystem, you yeah, it's a no brainer. No, if you already invest in, you already have like at least one, or at least two speakers. Yeah, well, so, I, so I know this people- only appeals for people who have, more than three rooms well so one of the things you can do with the other plays speakers and i assume you can do that with this as well is you can pair up multiples and set them as like stereo pairs so you can make two of these a left and one of the others a right or something like that um one of the other things that's nice about the speaker integrated ones rather than the ones that you put in the ceiling and walls which is what you know they started out doing in built-in installs with amplifiers in a box that you hook into like ceiling mount speakers so you have ambient music all through your house um the nice thing about these is you can pick them up and take them like if you have a picnic and have people over you can put them in the backyard or something like that i'm surprised there haven't been any kickstarted maybe there are and i'd love to know about them any kickstarted uh alternatives to sonos that are maybe open source or maybe just a cheaper alternative and maybe it's, it's hardware that is, is just a satellite that you plug your own speakers into but getting into the sonos ecosystem is not cheap and this is, seems like a ripe place for someone to create some cheap hardware. Yeah, because I mean, if you don't have one of these one of these speakers where you have an Ethernet port, then in order to get them to work, you have to buy another thing that's like a hundred bucks that you plug in. That's just the network endpoint for the Sonos system. So it's it's yeah, it's a little weird. It's a neat mesh network. I think they use like a variant of eight hundred eleven A. So it's all custom proprietary and stuff. Um, but it it the music passes across, and the thing that they've always sold their stake their claim on is that. 
it'll sync up between multiple rooms. Even if you listen to really long stuff like podcasts or, or, um, uh, classical music without getting out of drifting over, over a period of 20 or 30 minutes. Um, the peachy 3d printer is on this list. I have not seen this. This is a hundred dollar, uh, 3d printer. That's crazy. Um, but what hundred dollar 3d printers, I've seen, I mean, there've been a couple really cheap ones. Uh, what's interesting about this, and this is, I think it's a Canadian Kickstarter. So it's on CADs, which Kickstarter. I, eh. um, but it's photolithography. Oh, really? Yeah. So you, so you're buying some sort of syrup from them? Uh, resin. Yep. It's, it's okay. so photolithography is unlike, uh, SLS is is it's what the Form One uses. Uh, it's using lasers uh, to cure resin as it rises from a platform. Yeah, so SLS uses lasers to melt plastic in the right place, um, and then our additive printers just melt plastic and poop it out onto the onto the model. And photolithography shoots lasers on a a, a reservoir of resin at very specific places, and as the pool re- recedes, uh, the parts that are cured stay solid, and then. It kind of emerges from the resin. You lift it out, basically. Yeah. Um, so, how are they doing this? Is this is this like a buy the razors get the buy, get the free razor get by the blades kind of situation? No, it, it, the whole system looks really real, and and the reason it's worth noting is because every a lot of people have jumped on uh, the peach, peachy printer because of the price. I mean, it's hundred bucks for this idea of a. Um, that sounds great. I'm going to go buy one right now. You you uh, here is why you should maybe not buy one right now. How much uh, is the resin going to cost? I don't think it's more about the resin. First of all, delivery is not for a year. That's a long time. Actually, um, actually, a year isn't. I would say a year is probably about average for complex hardware. And like, I was look, surprised that the Sansera was delivering in a month or two. I think a year is a long time. And by then, if you really, if you're really serious about something like this, you're going to that hundred dollars might be better spent on a more like proven 3D printer. Yeah, but a hundred bucks is like gambling money. You, you, that's not five hands of blackjack, people. Norm. That's three hands of blackjack. Okay. Um, Whoa. High you, roller. You got, you got to double sometimes. You got to factor that in. Okay, okay. Uh, so it doesn't look as polished, nearly as polished as a Form 1. Uh, you build it yourself, obviously. It doesn't come preassembled at that price. Uh, there's a single laser. works with mirrors. And it's weird because the signal is sent from your computer via the audio jack. So it's audio signals that direct, that are converted. Audio analog signals that are converted into... That are processed to tell direct the laser, and then they use like a pool of the resin sits on a pool of salt water. Okay, and the salt water drains, and that's what recedes the resin. That's crazy. It looks like something that is not very easy to use, and even their test prints don't look very detailed. But you can print from a smartphone app. Yeah, the test prints look a little rough for photolithography. I think this looks like a proof of concept that they're selling for a hundred dollars. If like, people want to. And like, aha, it works once, but I don't think, think it's they'll figure it out. out. No, I don't think they'll figure it out. I think it's proof of concept. Like I'm looking at this Dave resin, this Dave, the print of the word Dave, and it looks like there's even some skippage from layer to layer on the lithography, which, I mean, there's no reason for. It seems like, oh, we can do it. It, it, it kind of works. Also, I, they don't have a hood over the laser, which if it's an IR, uh, IR UV laser, you probably don't want that. It's very, very house. lo-fi. Uh, I think the people who are paying 100 bucks. If they can part with it, great. I mean, yeah. But I don't think it's something they're going to use on a regular basis. Ninety percent of the people who who buy this are going to use it on a regular basis. Um, yeah, and and the thing is, like, if you're in the hundred dollar range for a three D printer, there's four hundred and five hundred dollar options that are quite good. That's the that's the 
you know, that, they're reliable that's, and usable. And, and based on you can go out and get maybe not tomorrow, but within a couple of weeks. So um, anyway, uh, Norm, the Sony Sony unveiled the full frame A7. Uh, this cameras. is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? It's a big deal because this is the the first full frame mirrorless camera on the market. So it is a mirrorless camera, just like the NEX is. Does it use the same lens mount? Uh, uses the E mount. So you're okay. So, um, so you take a step let, back. Let's, Sorry. Let's set up the landscape right now. There are many categories of cameras. You have DSLRs, which have the flipping mirror. That's yep. why it's a single thing as reflex. And within DSLRs, the makers are the big makers are Canon and Nikon. Right. And within their lines, they have full frame cameras and entry level APS-C cameras, which are smaller sensor size and full frame. Um, but the entry to full frame uh, prior to about a year ago was about twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars. And full frame means just means that it is the, the the sensor is the physical size as a piece of a piece of thirty five millimeter film, it is right? The equivalent of a thirty five millimeter sensor size, yes, okay. thirty five millimeters uh, in, ter- air, in terms of area. Um, and a year ago, uh, both Canon and Nikon introduced their what they called affordable full frame cameras. In the form of the D six hundred and the six D, uh, that's the one I have, and that was around two thousand dollars. Which for full frame, at that point, very, very, uh, very attractive. A little more over two thousand um, dollars, but they're still DSLRs, which a lot of people love. Um, more people are buying mirrorless cameras now, whether it's Micro Four Thirds or APS-C ones from um, from Samsung or Sony, uh, and those are also very popular. And Sony has been cranking out the models. Cranking like out the models, crazy. Yeah, they know they. Yeah, it is a growth market for them because point and shoots are dying. Uh, Sony also has a bunch of compact cameras, so they have the RX100, uh, which is now the RX100 Mark II, which is like their point and shoot killer. You can't change the lens on that, but it has a, a one inch sensor that's that's pretty nice. And also the RX1, which is a twenty eight hundred dollar full frame camera, beloved by a lot of photographers, but also you can't change the lens on that. Mm-hmm. This is like the RX1. In the sense that it's compact, not the size of a DSLR, but you can change the lenses on it. And the big deal is that it uses it's full frame and it also uses the E mount lens that is in Sony's NEX cameras. There are two models. It's the uh, A7, the Alpha 7, the A7R, um, and they're both around two thousand um, dollars. I think the Ace, the lower end one is actually. Uh, I want to say what's the price? Uh, Do they have like mo- mo- the the features that are common to full frame cameras from Canon and Nikon, like multi multi focus points and all that stuff? Uh, so the advantages of a DSLR over a mirrorless camera, and when I say mirrorless, it just means that there's no flipping prism. Uh, what you see on the LCD, there's only an LCD view or an EVF electronic yeah. viewfinder, is exactly what the sensor sees. It's not light; it's light being processed and then displayed on LCD. Uh, the focusing on those you, are mostly contrast-based autofocus uh, with some sensors having uh, phase-detect autofocus. Uh, the A7, the lower-end one, which the body, I think, is $1,700, that has the hybrid autofocus, which is both contrast and phase. And then the high-end one, which is $2,300 for body only, has a higher megapixel count. Um, that one is contrast only. Um, oh, okay. So it's actually a... Uh, a worse autofocus system, but Sony says it's very fast. Um, I don't know whether these will be good cameras. We'll I, think, see. I think a lot of people will who are who have uh, E mount lenses and they need to use a new uh, full frame E E mount lenses. They're E they're F E so, as opposed to E F. Um, 
I, I, I think that it, it is a huge investment to buy into these cameras and buy new lenses. So, Especially I, I, since you won't be able to, if you use adapters or something, you won't be able to do metering or focus. No, there's, there, there are uh, smart adapters. Oh, there are. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting that they're getting in that they're going this direction rather than you know they're building up from the from the lower end cameras into the high end, where Nikon and Canon have kind of been building down from the high end into the into the mid range. I think that they know that people understand their NEX line and are are uh, and like it and it's well reviewed. And while some people love their A line and they'll continue to do the A line of cameras, um, growing from the NEX as opposed to coming down from the A line is smarter move for them. The interesting thing about about this is that the lens, even what three four years into NEX cameras now, the lens ecosystem is still kind of there's still some pretty big gaps. In, I don't like, think people who have those cameras buy more than at most two lenses. They buy the eighteen, they get the eighteen fifty five kit lens, and then maybe get like a twenty five millimeter or something like that fixed fixed frame, probably. Or do you think that because they're not Prime, buying telephotos? Yeah, uh, there are some telephoto ones, but like a twenty eight to seventy or a, they have the two hundred up to two hundred millimeter. But yeah. I think most people who have those cameras. Either you get an adapter and put Canon lenses on them, or buy at most one one good prime lens. Mm, that makes sense. Um, what else do we have on the list? Uh, let's see, Felix Bumgarner. You remember Felix? One year ago. One year ago, he jumped out of a weather balloon from what a hundred thousand feet. Two hundred. Can't believe feet. it's been that long already. I know. Yeah, and and uh, he parachuted from the edge of space, is what Red Bull said. You know, it was the stratosphere, whatever. It was still it was a terrifying jump. Uh, Red Bull. And Felix released the footage, like the GoPro cam footage from his body, uh, showing the plummet, and it was it was every bit as terrifying as you would expect. Was it GoPro? Did they confirm? I don't that? think it was GoPro. I don't. I don't think they said who it was. Uh, I don't think they had sponsorship. A little little bit of controversy with that is that at that height, yes, you are very high up, and you are it maybe in technically at the edge of space, but you can't see the Earth curve, and it's, it was all lens tricks. To, to oh, that was all just because it was wide angle. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sad now. You you can't, cannot see the Earth curve at that height, at that altitude. Because he, what was it, 100,000 feet or uh, thereabouts, 120, something like that. I mean, the bigger deal was the speed at which he was falling, less the altitude. The altitude was yet it was yes a big deal, but it was more about breaking the sound barrier. Well, and because the air is so thin up there, the sound barrier is is a, is slower, right? Yes. So the the dent, density and humidity of the air affect the speed of sound. So he was shooting for two records, and he didn't break both of them. He right? did like, duration. He okay. Didn't. He uh, he let um, the previous guy uh, Henry K- not Henry, Henry Kissinger. Kissinger um, oh, Scott something. No, I think it was still Kissinger. Anyway, um, Kittinger. Kittinger. That's it. Uh, it was a terrifying jump. It it looked it looked. I, I don't have often watch those videos, but there were moments when he was started tumbling that you just thought, oh, I know how this ends, but I don't know how he stayed conscious during this kind of flat, horrible looking flat spin. I would say it was a highly successful marketing effort on Red Bull part. Well, that's what Red Bull does. Um, speaking of real space stuff, SpaceX uh, did their final, what should be the final Grasshopper 1.0 flight. Uh, this is the this is the thing that they've been the rocket they built to test soft landings with Dragon capsules, I, I assume. Um, and they went up to 700 meters ish um, above. The, they went actually above the hexacopter that they've been shooting those videos with. The rocket took off and then came back down and landed back on the pad again. I presume that the cows were upset once more, um, but it, it, apparently that that test bed is done. 
assuming nothing happens and and that's the end of the first version of the grasshopper and we'll be moving forward with something else now all right um and then the last thing on the list is that uh double fine rolled out space based df9 which is a like dwarf fortress in space game we talked about rim capsule a few weeks ago months ago i guess now it's like that, but really fully fledged. I think it came out of one of their Amnesia Fortnite Kickstarter or, or Humble Bundles. So it was like a prototype that they did during a two-week two week Amnesia Fortnite. And I, I spent – I put it on my laptop two nights ago and laid in bed and played for like two hours. It's, it's not a lot of game there yet, but what is is pretty neat if you like that kind of game. working on it very actively. Yeah, I think it's a Steam Greenlight early access. What, I don't even know what that like – the, the game situation on PC is such – that like there are green light games, there's early access games, there's advanced beta games. It's either alpha I don't even or know. pre-alpha. Right this now. one's alpha. But they're updating it every day, it seems like. like. You get a little thing that says, oh, hey, today we have this, and it's added, and all those bugs that were there yesterday are gone. Um, and I think they had a deal for people who were previous Double Fine Steam game purchasers if you bought it on Steam. So, so that's it. Uh, we unveiled the Inventor semifinalists this week. Ten... Ten makers, makers of things. Um, we tried to get a good mix of people with skills that kind of showcased what Adam was looking for in in his ideal candidate. So people who can make things. And really more than anything else, we were looking for people that showed um, either extreme aptitude with one type of material or uh, high levels of aptitude with multiple kinds of materials. Uh, so, so we had people who worked with, did everything from building rally cars to making stuff out of cardboard to hard edge model making to carpentry. Um, it's a, it's a real good mix of, of semifinalists. The video's up on the site now, so you can watch that. And like we talked about in the earlier videos, we were looking for people who, uh, showed some problem solving in their submissions. Uh, so people who talked about how they taught themselves skills how they approach learning new skills and mm-hmm. in specifically uh, when they were showcasing a product uh, or one of their projects, um, how they solve the problem in making that project. Yeah. Uh, my, well, we shouldn't, I, I especially liked the guys who made spacesuits out of stuff from home Depot. They took, I think canvas or muslin or something and covered it with epoxy and then painted it to make a very convincing looking like hard shell, uh, like analog to today's current spacesuits that are on the space station. So a lot of really cool work. You should definitely check out the video. Uh, we'll have more from Inventor and stuff and next week. And we also week. talked about the, the, oh, home the home challenge. The home challenge. It's a challenge that you do at home. Uh, so we sent out care packages for all these 10 of these people. Um, and in the box, they got... Uh, What's in the box, Norm? 15 sheets of cardboard, uh, 8.5 by 11. Uh, a knife, cutting mat, um, some masking tape, and some glue. Mm-hmm. And they are challenged with creating something, a one-to-one scale replica of anything they have in their house. I think, I mean, we, I think that those are very, very limited constraints. I think they can use the box too. They can use the box from zero, but it's not a whole lot of material. Um, and we've clarified with them how, what tools they can use. They can't use any power tools. And I mean, they can use a straight edge. We forgot to put a straight edge. Sure. In. They can use straight edge and scissors and stuff like that. But the idea is that using these constraints, how do you solve a problem of creating something that's very accurate? Right. Well, and, and it also hooked in, you know, Adam, we talked to Adam at length about what the challenge should be. Um, and he, he has been adamant over the year and a half that we've been working with him that cardboard 
is a great place to learn to start with making stuff. And it's a great material for building, build, you know, for making cool stuff. So we're, I can't wait to see what people come back with. Did you guys ever have to do cardboard builds of any kind in class in high school? Like dioramas? We had uh, diorama-rama. No, so I took a some general, like I can't even remember what it was called anymore, but it was kind of general, like learning how electronics work a little bit and how um, mechanics, structural mechanics work and stuff like that. Kind of a shop class, but not mm-hmm. really. And uh, one of the projects we had to do was build something basically a bridge but basically something to put between like two tables and had to support a certain amount of weight and you would get points just for building it and the requirements where you could only use a certain amount of cardboard or uh other paper popsicle sticks or something yeah, like something that something paper or you know not real wood but basically paper based and you know a certain amount of glue or tape or whatever and I made like some crappy cardboard thing that didn't hold up very well. One of my friends got about 10 pieces of construction paper, rolled them up in a tube, Ooh. soaked it with epoxy, and made a basically a nightstick that you could kill someone with. It was indestructible. It glues real hard. Yeah. We did the thing where you drop eggs off of the roof of a building. Like we had a there was this hallway that was suspended over a center light well in my in my school, and it was like a thirty five or forty foot drop into the so you build into a, the rocks. The, the egg carton, the um, egg the egg drop. You had to build a little spaceship for your basically. Yeah, Did they combine capsule. that with the 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 home. I guess there were home ec classes uh, where you pair up with someone and you take care of an egg as if it's a child. No, that no. was we didn't do that one. We, you know I, what that is, right? Yeah, you had to yeah. love and cherish your you egg. Lo- and and you know, did you do that? No, but I'm saying. Th- I only know that from like television shows. Oh, um, you learned that from Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell or Boy Meets World or one of those shows. But that show, that challenge at home, at, at that class, should have led into the building the protective <laughs> spaceship and use the same egg. So you have nourish, to keep it for you a month. You nourish the egg for a month, you bond with it, and then you build the spaceship. And I think <laughs> that would really encourage you to build a good spaceship. That's I think right. they did sacks of flour for us. It would us. be the Jor-El experience. You didn't use an egg? I don't think... That, no, no. I mean, for the baby sacks thing. Sacks of flour? I think you carried a sack of flour and you put like a little face on it. I can't... We, I wasn't in that class. Wow. But um, I think I didn't Man, take... Your sack, your sack of flour... Well, it was the right weight is the thing. It's a 10-pound sack of flour. I didn't take that class, but I think we had the like the real babies that just made the, the super annoying... Like, Upscale. They just, yeah. I... Not my department. Is that, that's like an outdated. That's the thing. That was that was to scare people into not having teen pregnancies. I mean, there, I had plenty of kids in my high school who, oh, yeah. who were moms and dads. So kids would just—they're oh, like, "You're taking care of an egg. I got a real baby." Yeah. See, I'm a little older they, than you, well, so kids usually, would just disappear. Yeah, they usually dropped out. Yeah, like they—they they, come to school with their oh their babies. Oh, she moved to she transferred to Sullivan South. I I entered high school with a class of like 450 uh-huh. and exited with a class of like 220. Yeah. I had 320 when we started and I think 180 or 100, 200 graduated maybe. Yeah. Um, the egg drop contests were really cool. I, I like educators out there. If you're still teaching this Norman Chan teaches teaching. If you're still teaching the, how to take care of a child and responsibility as a young adult, uh, class, uh, lead in, to the egg challenge by using the raise a child. Those are two different eggs. classes. Yeah. One's usually like like Physical life science, and one is physics. No, we did that in my senior physics. Some, it was a, in I did schools, in middle school. Thirty five feet was a lot. We did a ten schools, foot one in middle the physics school. Physics teacher is the 
the social science. I don't think that that's no. true. The physics teacher might be like the basketball coach or the oh, chemistry yeah, teacher. I definitely had a physics teacher who was a gym coach. There's a lot of coach overlap, but not a yeah. lot. Really? Of, yeah. Yep. Our physics teacher was PE like a teacher. 70 year old guy. He was real crotchety. My physical science teacher taught the girls' volleyball team. Yeah. Well, physical. Teacher? So physical science and physics are two different things. Yes. Yeah. Just to be clear. But that was that's what I had to go with. Okay. Um, I think our I think my physics teacher also taught like remedial chemistry. So, because he was good at it. Budget cuts. Yeah. I'm saying you got two classes, one egg. It's the the real Superman experience. But the, does, does baby does baby Cal egg make it make it to the pavement? <laughs> you named your baby Cal egg. I'm saying they I can I understand. raise it and send on a spaceship. You wrap him in a little space a Superman costume so that he has a costume that's made made of Kryptonian material that will last him. Maybe that baby Superman never wore a costume. Okay, I'm gonna play some music if we, that's all the news we've got, and then we'll talk about what we've been testing. This episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy for you to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Uh, Support us and support Squarespace uh, by getting a free trial at squarespace.com and getting 10% off your first purchase with the offer code TEST. That's T-E-S-T, like tested. Hey, Norm, did you know that all Squarespace websites use responsive designs? Um, yeah, like our site's also responsive design. Yeah, so we, it, there's a built-in mobile site. It's all right there. Squarespace. Um, what have you been? Te- so I've been testing the Paperwhite second gen. Did you ask yourself a question? And I it? did. I did. I've been. Will, I, Will, what have you been testing? Hey, Wes, thanks for asking. I've been testing the Paperwhite second gen. It's what do you the think new about Kindle. It? I actually think I like the old one better. There's a little bit of interface lag, and it seems like the the screen is not as sensitive on the new one as it was on the old one. This so is what you, you had when Jeremy was here. This is what I had when Jeremy was here. Um, and it seems like when you tap the screen, sometimes I tap it, and I, I feel like that would have been an appropriate tap on the old one, and it is not on the new one. I'm going to do some side-by-side testing, maybe get out, get out the high-speed iPhone camera and see what I can see. Um, but it's a, little bit, like, it's a little bit disappointing. I was a little bummed. That makes me mad because I want a new Kindle with physical buttons, and failing that, I want the touchscreen to be... So good that I don't care anymore. Well, so the thing is, I mean, just to be clear, the touches that I'm talking about not hitting, not registering are very light, but that that has worked for me. Like, I feel like I'm using it exactly the same way I used the old one. Um, It's also been a little bit crashy. Like, it's crashed a couple of times, um, which isn't, I guess, abnormal for new Kindles because I feel like the the old Paperwhite got much more stable over the year that I've had it so far, that I've used it. You mean with updates? With updates. Yeah, they constantly are updating that thing. Like, you'll... If you are reading at midnight or 1 a.m., sometimes it'll say, hey, there's an update. Do you want to install it now or do you want to wait? And then it just does it anyway because you usually don't notice the thing. You can customize the touch sensitivity to some extent, or at least the, uh, the areas are touch sensitive to some extent. I don't think you can customize the areas because it, it uses the kind of one-third, two-thirds top por- portion. Um, is there, I mean, is the entire screen, I mean, oh, I guess it's not a touch sensitive screen, it's just the IR. No, no, it's not IR anymore. It's a capacitive. It's a, it so is the a, whole thing is touch the whole thing is a touch surface. So why, why not have an advanced mode to let people customize? Because I think it's a, I mean, it, it is a toaster, right? It is a device that is for reading text on a Toasters page. should get a lot smarter. I, I'd buy a smart toaster. I have a smart toaster. Nest. My toaster, toaster has. Toaster or a toaster oven? A toaster ovens are a ripoff. Dude. Our toaster ovens are a ripoff. Toaster ovens uh, are great. Toast- everybody I've ever- Toasters are bullshit. Toaster, Toaster ovens, ovens are great. Toaster ovens are a massive, massive waste of energy as a general rule. But they're like an oven 
that yeah. is smaller. Yeah, why not just use your oven? Because it takes five times longer to heat up. Heat up. You guys are just Toasting bachelors. things in the toaster Dude, oven. Could you can cook entire meals in toaster ovens. Yeah, of course you can. You can cook entire meals in a crock pot. I can cook entire meals in a hole in my backyard. Toaster ovens are wonderful. And you could also use the parts of a toaster oven to make a vacuum form machine. That, that is definitely that is a totally valid use of a toaster oven. The problem with toaster ovens is that generally they they don't heat very evenly, is my understanding. So you so end up you with hot per- and cold spots inside the oven. So they're not really good for cooking; perfect. they're good for toasting, and oh, only no. marginally good no, at no, that. No, no. You can you can make a prime bread in a toaster oven. That's delicious. We used to have uh, we had a bagel toaster at our house. One of our roommates had one, uh-huh. and I would toast a bagel in it, and yes. it would come out and be you know if I got the exact right setting on it it would be like you know browned on the t- the bagel by the time i put like some jam or butter on it or cream cheese and ate it it's yeah. already cold my toaster Fuck toasters my toaster has a uh a bit more button so when you when it pops up and you're like oh this isn't quite toasted enough i would like it toasted a bit more you hit that and it's saying it's, it a it's bit more all surface level toasting no heating through well but that's toaster that's what a toaster is for so versatile Bagel toasters are supposed to only toast the cut side. You don't toast the not cut side of a bagel or else it ends up like a concrete brick in your mouth. Not all of us have ovens that are perfectly even temperature. And I have the, I have a much shittier oven than you, I assure you. I'm saying a toaster oven in terms of convenience and versatility and, and what you can do with it. Here's the thing. Your oven is like a Porsche, right? You have a really sweet oven. It is a high-performance High but, power but toasting machine. I sometimes prefer to use a toaster oven because it's just that much easier. So instead of instead of taking the Porsche out to toast your bagel in the morning, you fire up the old Yugo that's been on bricks in the backyard. It's not a Yugo. It's like a Prius. Oh, it's not a no. It's not a Prius. It is. It is. It is. A, let's say. What's the analogy here? It's probably a muscle car. It's not. A, no. Because it's it, no. It, no. It, it doesn't go that fast, but it uses a shitload of gas. That toaster oven is probably the least efficient thing in your house. No, I doubt that. blow dryer is probably the least efficient thing in the house. Do you have house. a blow dryer in your house? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, behind the blow dryer and maybe one of the computers and probably the TV, the toaster oven is probably number four, if I had to guess. Maybe I, that, if you have an OG Xbox. sheer convenience. Yes. And versatility. Next week on Toaster Wars. I think toaster oven is one of the best appliances there are so many things that i'll cook in a toaster Counter oven space too. that i would normally that you would often cook in the microwave but i would prefer and it will end oh, up oh, shittier absolutely i mean if you're talking about and using the toaster oven using, versus the microwave the microwave uses way more energy than the toaster oven. 600 watts depends but usually for a very low amount of time well, most 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 inbuilt microwaves are five or six hundred watts. Also, how often would you, if you take a piece of pizza out that you're going to reheat or yeah. something like I that? I always do that in the oven. You the fire oven? up your whole Fuck oven yes. for like for like a two one, slices or, of pizza? one or two slices. Well, there's two of us usually, so there's usually three slices of pizza. Three still. You can that's, fit that's three. Perfect toaster of a grilled yep. cheese. But do you, I, I have a pizza. pizza stone in my oven, so the bottom gets nice and crisp. But it's, it's real good. You're reheating pizza. Yeah. Well, if if it's worth reheating. It's worth reheating right. If it's not worth reheating, I eat it cold. Which is why you get a toaster oven. As opposed to uh, just using it in the microwave. Toaster oven is never the right answer. Okay. Wow. So paper white second gen is pretty good, except for the touch thing. Is it as good as a toaster oven? I think it's better than a toaster oven. I, I, didn't, I had no idea that toaster ovens were this divisive of a topic. No, toaster ovens are great, and you're the only person. I bet Joey doesn't like toaster ovens. He has his headphones on, though, so we can't tell. Joey would totally like toaster ovens. Toaster ovens, Joey? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. 
Boo. Boo, Joey. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I also tested out the Innova Immersion Circulator. So this is, I think that probably this year there's going to be a strong push from multiple vendors to make a $200 Immersion Circulator for sous vide cooking. The perfect holiday gift for loved ones, you know. Who already have sous vide machines? I don't think it, no, no. It's if you don't have a, nobody has sous vide machines at home because the, the current, like, Prior to the rain, the current crop of $200 ones, either they were kind of crappy, like that thing that you plugged a crock pot into and put a temperature probe in the crock and it, it kind of did what you want but didn't really circulate the water. It just kind of made it more or less the right temperature. Or uh, they were really expensive, like the PolyScience model that's 400 bucks. So the um, Sensaire, which we talked about before, I, I got to go up and see that in Seattle a few weeks ago. Uh, Anova has a unit that's just out now that's also 200 bucks. Um, and I've used it quite a bit. Uh, we'll do a video with it shortly, either a full like stand-up review or um, a show and tell or something. But it's it's uh, two hundred bucks, and it is precise on the same level that you would expect a poly science. It seems to be able to do about six gallons of water, which is the basically a cooler full of water, which is a, which is more than I've ever needed to immersion cook something. Um, and seems to be pretty good. It's a little bit loud is the only criticism I have so far. Um, but yeah, I've cooked, I cooked some steaks. I cooked a bunch of eggs. We've cooked um, chicken, I guess. I cooked some fish. Fish was really good. Um, what else? I, I was thinking about doing a turkey just to see you know, what a sous vide turkey is like. Um, that sounds weird. I mean, well, it's, it's probably really good, but... Just picturing a turkey being cooked in that way seems strange. Well, so so you um, typically with chicken, like with chicken, I did instead of putting it in just an empty bag that I sucked all the air out of, I put some olive oil and a little bit of salt and pepper and stuff in there to kind of flavor it up a little bit. And that was awesome for like instead of doing things you would normally boil chicken for, like chicken salad. When you say turkey, you mean a whole turkey, right? Well, you don't you have to break it down. So you know how when you when you take a whole chicken and you turn it into two breasts and sure. a pair of thighs and a pair of wings and a pair of drumsticks, you do the same thing with the turkey. I just want you to put a whole turkey in a cooler. And no, no, no. That's, well, you have to put it in a vacuum bag first and then put it in a cooler. That seems like a real bad idea. Um, but it's pretty good. Like it's it's. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm going to be interested. I think we'll probably my sense air is supposed to come soon, so we'll probably wait and see to do a direct comparison until we get that. Because my hunch is that the Sansair is going to be a little bit quieter than this one from what I saw in the prototypes, but I, I don't know for sure. Uh, and I haven't done anything that's like 72 hours yet. I haven't made short ribs or anything like that. That, that Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Uh, Norm, anything on your testing list? Um, I did Google uh, checkout Express this week. You um, bought, Shopping Express? bought something from the internet and had it delivered the same day? Uh, so Google is experimenting with uh, a new service uh, right now, only in the Bay Area and in the South Bay, close to where Google is, where if you order something, um, they actually send people out to select stores in the area, buy them, uh, and then have them, the item delivered to you on the same day. So is this like a front end for like Google Shopping? Um, like if you go to shopping.google and type in something, will it say, this is eligible for same-day delivery? No, it's, it's completely separate, separate site okay. and service. Uh, right now, it's free for six months. Uh, but the standard delivery charge is $5 per order, I think. 
Um, is that per stop per order or I'm does that sure mean exactly like you can send somebody to Best Buy and to to the grocery store and something else? Five bucks is still really cheap Five if you're bucks paying somebody absolutely. to get you a hundred dollars yeah. of groceries. So they were well, stressed yeah. from, from talking to my friends at Google. They were stress testing this all like uh, last couple months and they basically they gave everyone at Google like 25 bucks to buy stuff and <laughs> they just want people to buy as many different things. And these are contractors who wear like green Google shirts and go to the store. So if you're in the Bay area. Uh, you'll see these people in stores, just big shopping bags and carts, and, and all they do is buy stuff, and they, they package it, they throw the receipt in the bag if you need to return it, and then they will drop by within a window so you can say, I want it delivered. So what did you buy? One to five. I just got some, like, some, some, uh, some like, toothbrush stuff. Um, so you, you, you... So something from, from Lucky's. You bought a toothbrush and had it delivered. This is... This well, is, I want to see how fast the service was. This reminds me. Okay, so when did you order it? Ordered morning, like two what days time? Ago, like eight, eight o'clock. Okay, and got it. I think I it was here before noon. Five, yeah, and it was got here around three o'clock, and same day, same day delivery. Huh. And in San Francisco, they have like Target, uh, Lucky Supermarket, uh, like Dodo Case for some reason, uh, REI, which is like just down the block. I from need us. a tent. And, and some shoes. Uh, and like Knob Hill Foods. So you even have like fancy foods. Ooh. Can I get yeah. some sort of fancy I French goat cheese? I would recommend getting food through this service. Do you think they refrigerated the trucks? Uh, I'm curious to see. Like, they probably have like refrigerated, refrigerated bags type deal. Yeah. If you order something like, insulated like bag. avocados or tomatoes, if they are good at picking out the right ones or if they just don't care. Well, that's always the problem with the grocery. Like Safeway.com, when you order produce from, from Safeway.com, like you're entirely at the mercy of the person who who comes. Like one time last year, Gene and I both had a horrible flu at the same time, and we neither we both wanted like Gatorade and cracker saltines. Neither of us wanted to get up and go to the grocery store, and you know, so we ordered Safeway.com, and then also got some avocados because that sounded good. The avocados they brought uh, were terrible. If, if you live in the Bay Area, uh, there is also an app for this. What's the URL? Uh, I, th- I think it's like shopping. Ex- if you search Google Shopping Express. Okay. Uh, it's google.com forward slash shopping forward slash express. There's an app also. Six months free. Uh, th- I think their plan is to make it subscription-based after six months if you want to uh, try it. So typically Google's plan with this stuff is to they're – like they're collecting some kind of data with every, every new service they roll out, right? I'm not exactly sure. I don't think it's – You think, think they're think just it trying is. it out? There's not that many people they could do. But I think it is a way for them – I have no idea actually why – why Google wants to do this? Why Google? Why would you do this? Yeah, just like, like Amazon's this. doing cell phones. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I hooked up last week. If you know the 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 if this then that, I guess is what the FTTT stands for. Um, is a website that lets you do things, and it started out as like if if you get a Twitter mention, then you can send a text to yourself so you know that you got a Twitter mention from somebody that you like or something. Um, I went to sign up, hook that up to my SmartThings account. So SmartThings are the home automation things. And I finally found the use for SmartThings. I'm now totally on board. It works with Philips Hue too, I think. You can turn on the lights in your house 20 minutes after sunset. So now when the sun goes down, assuming my house is not in vacation mode, which means I'm not going to be in the house, the lights turn on. When the sun at 11 o'clock at night, the lights turn off unless I'm walking around in the room. This is amazing. This is it's great. It's like living in Star Trek. Has this improved your quality of life? Not really, but it's it's kind of cool, I guess. 
Kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, it's the, the that's the story of home automation. Hey, it's kind of cool, I guess. We're also baby proofing now because the baby is crawling and starting to pull up on shit. So that means that anything that isn't attached to the walls has to be attached to the walls. And also all the cords have to be removed from the house. I don't know. I would be I would love to hear people's strategies on getting rid of power strips in, in your homes because that is the thing that's the problem we face. Because we have an old house with not that many power outlets. You know, they're not every six feet or whatever they're supposed to be now. And power strips are are a significant baby proofing challenge because there's nothing she loves more than wires. And the first thing, first place everything goes straight in the mouth. So babies are experimenting with the world. Well, she's she's all, chasing all death is what she's doing. Yeah, that is true. All babies are scientists. Uh, anything else? Uh, I've been playing Le- Legend of Zelda on the 3DS. <laughs> yeah, you asked yourself a question Sorry. and immediately answered it. <laughs> I've been hanging out with my mom. I've spent time with my mom and she does that all the time. It drives me fucking crazy and now I'm doing it. What Zelda on the 3DS? The original. The oh, 1987 the Legend, Legend of, of Zelda. Zelda. Yeah. Are you playing Second Quest? Or? I'm just, I, I started with a blank save and I had forgotten the old Zelda trick, which lets you start with the Second Quest. Right. Um, but I've been playing the First Quest and it's, it's fun. It's a hard-ass game. It is a hard-ass game. Uh, I, I posted about it on Twitter the other night and somebody responded, yeah, I tried that a few weeks ago and I decided I was going to play it like a roguelike. So it was every time he dies, he just deletes the save and starts over. That would last like 10 minutes for me. I, I, there's no way I could, I would have gotten to the fifth dungeon and then just killed myself. I didn't get into games young enough to ever really like establish the innate skills necessary to deal with the, the old school of design where every enemy just touching you like does damage severely damages you and like that was my biggest challenge in in zelda is just because the the speed of the sword move you know swinging is relatively slow Mm -hmm. um that so many enemies will just walk into you regularly as you're trying to stab them and well and the the movement on a lot of them is it's not random exactly erratic but it is very erratic so and and because you can't kind of swing and move you have to position yourself just outside of range and then hope that they don't get to you before it's it's but but once you kind of get the knack of it it's okay it's not hard it's the kind of game that people who have been have played it for years and years can make it look extremely easy yes and but i it never i i've played a lot a good bit of that game but it never came easily for me the other thing i had forgotten completely about about zelda is how completely non-linear it is it's really cool yeah in in 1987 like it was a game if you have the mechanical skills to do it and you have bombs, which you get like at the first store you open, if you have some gold, you can basically go and beat like the dungeons in any order you want for the most part, which is, which is pretty unbelievable for a game. And also there's absolutely no handholding. Like it doesn't tell you where the next dungeon is and it is a big ass world. Um, and the series has done a complete 180 from that over the years. Yeah, it, it, that that happened with um, Link to the Past, right? Where all of a sudden you have to have the previous weapons dungeon's weapon in order to succeed in the next dungeon. For I the think most for part, the most part, I mean, and that's still not a handholdy game at all. No, but since then they have introduced more and more, especially of, with three D. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm quite enjoying it. I, I don't know if I'll get all the way to the end, but I'm through the sixth into the sixth dungeon now. It's much faster. It's much. It's a shorter game. If I mean, if you open up a map on the internet and look to see where you're supposed to go next, it is a much shorter game than it was when I played it when I was 12 years old and, and just had the N- Nintendo Power, here's where to bomb guide. I'm really curious how the new one on 3DS, Link, Link Between Worlds, comes turns out because they're saying you know, all the items you will just buy or rent from a store. Yeah. So you could potentially 
not only do you open up the possibility of like renting items really cheaply and then never dying and be able to get through a like no death run of the game really quickly there's also the uh the cool factor of oh you can beat everything out of order or in any order you want the the question that raises is how is difficulty balance going to work in that game yeah. like is the last dungeon quote unquote going to be have the exact same like spread of enemies as the first dungeon is there some kind of dynamic scaling where you know it gets harder in some way well those games have always done um equipment based progression right you don't gain like there's never been a skill tree or anything like that aside from yeah you upgrade your suit and your suit now you're now fire resistant or right. whatever um so so i'm interested I, i'm super interested in that I, I i started playing this because i went to the e-shop and was looking for a link to the past to play that again but it's not it seems to be unavailable everywhere unless you have the old gba cart so um i was a little surprised by that but yeah it looks quite good like i'm i was really i was like i was shocked at how fun legend of zelda a 30 25 year old game at the 26 year old game at this point is in in a modern in a modern in the modern hey i've been playing a lot of roguelikes lately sense good bones hold up yeah i guess that's true i mean the the skeleton of that game like the core design of it is still really good it's it's super solid and it it works surprisingly well for on mobile also on the little screen um anything else we want to talk about in what we've been testing wes you've been into anything good not really um been playing a lot a lot more games than usual um relatively more than usual i just played through both batman arkham city and tomb raider and uh, apparently, so I beat Arkham City on Saturday, and as of today or yesterday, they have taken Games for Windows Live out of it as Games for Windows is dying, right? They yeah, did yeah. this with uh, Bioshock 2 just a couple and weeks, also with, like a week uh, ago. Oh, really? That's good news. Bioshock 2 and Minerva's Den. Uh, Minerva's Den is like free And on Bo- Steam Borderlands now. 1 doesn't have... Oh, no, that was never... It was GameSpy and Borderlands 1, but... Yeah. Um, so anyway... So who's doing this? The publishers? I think so, yeah. Um, or developers, and I don't know who's actually committing the the work involved okay. in doing it. But so it's on Steam now, and I believe they have rolled the the original version of Arkham City is no longer available. It's just Game of the Year edition now. They okay. just like rolled those. Together. Everybody got that. Everybody has that. Games for Windows Live is cut out of it. As a result, your old save file no longer works. Oh fuck you! So I'm really glad that I beat the game. I mean, I, I kind of wish I had waited to play it another week. They don't have a port, like a path for that? Nope. Dude, I have a fucking hundred... Per- oh, assholes. Assholes. So don't update that game on Steam, I guess. Fucking I don't know if you'll be able to play it without updating it. Probably can. Probably. Um, oh, that's such horse shit. But yeah, I'm really glad that I beat it Saturday instead of <laughs> oh, yeah. being two-thirds of the way through it today and... Uh, of course, oh, Steam update for this game, and then it's gone. On the other hand, you'd be able to download a save now that you could that just puts you more or less where you were. Maybe I mean the 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 question marks wouldn't be right. People, the ruler trophies people put up usually put up like one hundred percent complete saves. I don't know yeah. about sixty percent of the way to the story or whatever. What? So, um, so good for people who haven't played Arkham City. Maybe yeah. bad for people who are in progress or beat it and wanted to keep those. What did you think about Tomb Raider? It's good. I okay. <laughs> I why I didn't, I didn't think it was amazing. Um, it has a good bow. The bow's really fun. Like the the feel of that game is fun. I was really really impressed with the animation and 
how well it ran on PC and just like how much of the the animation and and mechanics in that game are contextual where you, there's not a cover button. Laura just does a really good job of crouching when you get behind cover. Yeah. Whenever you're walking through um, I mean, there's like the canned animation of going through like small, you know, rock areas. But even when you're walking through caves and stuff, she'll touch the walls and the ceiling. Very and, Assassin's creed in and, that regard. You know, you can just hold a button to pull a torch out and she'll automatically like wave it around and like light stuff on fire when you stand near it. And um, yeah, I thought like the look of that game and everything they did with the character movements and, and everything was really impressive. I thought it was a just so ridiculously over the top while trying to be serious yeah it, it, so my my only like mechanically i really liked that game a lot the only problem i had with it was the dichotomy between oh i'm new to killing people and this is very heart-wrenching and then oh by the way i just went and murdered 55 people straight and it, it it's gets like one the, the uncharted it gets one throwaway line where uh roth her her tutor kind of yeah. is like like I know that's like she she's like I just killed somebody or I killed a couple people and he's like I know that must be really hard for you and he's like she's like actually it's scary how easy it was and then from that point on <laughs> just n- no remorse <laughs> just murder everybody and you know run away from exploding airplanes slide down like right. mountain gullies fifteen times the death animations were pretty grim were, I, were unfortunate. I actually never saw any of those oh, that made the, that would have made the game better because if you uh, a few, if you had problems with one of those sequences where you're sliding down a like a water chute, the thing that was on Conan, where she kept impaling her, uh, herself under the I, jaw I've on seen a that, fucking like, pole, yeah, I've seen it's it the online, worst thing ever. It's horrible. I managed to avoid all those in the game. I almost stopped playing because of because of I I just I kept hitting that one spot and I, it was real bad. Anyway, uh, anything else, Norm, for you? Uh, I've been testing a mini quadrocopter. Um, Ooh, that is uh, it's. From 1SV. By testing, you mean um, crashing a lot? Crashing a lot. In the house or outside? In the house. Okay. And been trying to get that stabilized. Uh, but the, it is a, a recommended one, so I'm trying to get that to work right now. Okay. Um, I guess that's it for what we've been testing. Uh, what do you guys say to taking a couple of questions? Do it. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. Yeah, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for This Is Only Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Keep your questions short, under 45 seconds, and don't make it sound like you're standing behind a jet turbine. Um, Or turbine, as people are going to say. Uh, Here is the first question. It comes from James. Hey, Tested Crew, is it just me, or is the new Amazon Kindle Mayday feature A, slightly creepy, and B, the beginning of a really weird drinking game? Thanks and always be testing, James. That's May- the the help. That's the the, the lady's head in the right? box that pops up and says, "Hey, I heard you were having problems with your Kindle. Yep. I can draw on the screen and let you know what you should be doing." So, what is their what is Amazon's procedure going to be for dealing with prank calls to the helpline? I have to imagine that they're going to put a certain number of prank calls on your account, and then uh, they'll turn off Mayday for you if you annoy Don't them waste too our much. Prank call cap. That would be yeah. a. I, I can see why that would be a drinking game. The prank calls have to be really good before the, cause you probably bet you get two and they're like, no, you're not allowed to make many calls you, anymore. Can, can you, how long can you stretch a conversation with one of these people? Cause they want them to last like 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Can you get one to stretch five minutes? I don't know. Well, maybe this is an October Remember, they, cast They can't game. see you. you no, can we can see, see them. them. What was the first part of his question? Is it creepy? Is or it something? creepy? 
I think I, it's creepy that they can see what's on your screen at any time. Like that's a that you is should a creep them out feature. by doing increasingly inappropriate things subtly. What if you have? Can you put the front camera preview on you, and so then they can see you? I don't think so. We can try. We should, there's a whole world of opportunity to test this stuff out. Uh, the next question is from Darren. Darren says, "Hey guys, I run a library in New Jersey, and we are considering a makerspace project." We have an unused courtyard garden that we are thinking of incorporating into the project. My questions to you. Most public library makerspaces focus on emergent tech like 3D printers, Arduino, robotics, excuse me, etc. However, that model is a few years old. Is there new stuff that we should be thinking about that is outside of these, this realm? Uh, second question. Given the garden, are there any interesting approaches to gardening or agricultural self-sufficiency that might work in a makerspace environment that you're aware of? Half of our community are homeowners and the other half live in apartments. We'd like to provide some interesting options to celebrate our town's agricultural past, yet be practical for today, for folks today in a 40 foot by 40 foot space. Sorry if this is nebulous. Thanks. Solar power. Um, I think the 3d printers Arduino robotics stuff is pretty open-ended the only thing I would say that a lot of makerspaces and libraries don't necessarily have is kind of traditional manufacturing stuff like mills and lathes and you know shop tools, stuff like that. Um, but I, I would say like pull your community and see what they're into. Like I don't know if a vote is the right way to do it, but talk to the people who you think will use the makerspace and engage them and see what they want to do. So what do you, what do you think, Norm? I have no experience setting up makerspaces. I, I'm, I'm well, I mean, we've been in a lot of shops, so I mean – the stuff that the stuff that seems to get used is like, more useful than a three D printer is a mill and a lathe. Was the courtyard thing asking for ideas of making like using the courtyard as a maker project, or just what kind of things you can have outside? I think it's like what what kind of stuff you, we've seen outside. I know we have a lot of community gardens in San Francisco. There's a big one near my house by the Best Buy in Colma that's just open to people in Colma to come plant and they have a, that, I mean, that's a mass, that's like 20 acres. So it's a massive amount of space, but even in San Francisco proper, there are like center courtyard gardens all over the place where people can get a, a you know, a two foot by two foot patch or a five foot by five foot patch and plant tomatoes or corn or whatever it is they want to grow there. So, I, I mean, I love the community garden thing. If you do boxes then you can build that up some, um, I don't know what, I don't know that I would take out a garden that's existing and put, shop space out there especially if you're someplace it rains a lot yeah it seems like a better opportunity to do some kind of special growing project yeah. out there using maker tech i don't know i don't know I, what that would be i you don't even need i mean i think teaching people how to plant a garden is a perfectly usable like that counts as making teach them how to plant a garden at home yeah using the, the shared garden space right well and if the 40 foot i mean if people who live in apartments frequently don't have space to plant a garden so maybe maybe give make some space available for them uh, and the other thing is, if you guys, I, I also want to put this out there because if you guys have have suggestions for this, then post them in the comments. I'm sure J- Darren will check it out. I think we have one more question. This comes from Hunter. Hey, tested team, I'm looking to build a computer for the retirement community my grandparents are living in. They're interested in the whole Skype FaceTime concept and would like to see their grandkids and great grandkids more often than they can. Do you have any suggestions for the best best video camera and monitor? I would prefer to go with a Mac Mini so that they can use FaceTime as well as Skype. This is the added benefit of being harder for them to open and tinker with. This will be in the communal area so other people can use it as well. I'd prefer a larger screen for their aging eyes, but how will the video quality scale up to a big screen? Thanks for suggestions. Keep on testing. Um, I immediately thought Mac Mini, but that, I mean iMac, but that's probably outside the budget. If you want to do FaceTime, you have to have 
a Mac. That's the that's the unfortunate side effect of unless you want to put a put an iPad up on the wall and just leave it plugged in all the time. But that seems a little weird. Um, that's the system that would break down occasionally. Yeah, and the other thing is FaceTime. I, I mean, I guess you would have people's one shared account that everybody calls into, but um, I, I don't know how that would work. I, I think an iMac is the safest, easiest thing to do. Because if you do a Mac Mini, you're going to have an external monitor and a USB webcam and all that stuff. And if you buy a Mac Mini and a cinema display, which has that stuff built in, then you're probably into Mac Mini, uh, iMac territory at that point. Why not iPad? I, I, iPad, I think, is still better than iMac. Easier to use. That's true. You iPad, could, it's one button on the, on the home screen. Once just set up. get an iPad and a stand to put it on the, yeah. on the couch, like an articulated arm, like, like the, my mic arm, something like that. It's not a bad idea. And you can use Skype and FaceTime and whatever else people are using to, to do video conferencing with the iPad. And, and it has a good camera on the front. And you can tether out. Uh, tethering out is a little bit hinky. I've done that a fair amount with FaceTime and weird things happen. But, I mean, the 10-inch iPad's a nice big screen anyway. So there you go. iPad. That's our answer. Uh, if you have a question for us, as again, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Uh, and we like to hear your questions. So that'll do it for us this week, I guess. Uh, Wesley Fenlon, anything to plug that you've been working on lately? No. Read tested. Read tested. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, 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 we have a great website for you today. I've got a, I did a feature recently that uh, isn't up yet because it's based on a, a video that will go up at some point. Um, and we'll put that out when, when that happens and it'll be good. It's a fantastic. Yeah. November. November. Anybody growing a mustache for Move Member? No. It's eating a lot of tacos for Tacotober. Tacotober is pretty good. Uh, Norm, anything for you? You good? Nope. Uh, I guess that'll do it for us this week. I think that we should go get some lunch, gentlemen. Today's outro, uh, I did not write down the person's name. So thank you to whoever made today's outro. It was funny. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. Wow. That one was good. It looks like the poop exploded out of the bag. I don't remember saying that. In what situation would a poop explode out of the bag? I got to assume it's like a flaming bag on somebody's front porch and they, you walk up and you stomp the bag and then the poop blasts out of the bag. We have never watched that video on this podcast. What video? Uh, we've never done anything with that. A poop, poop a, a flaming poop bag. poop bag. Flying poop bag? Joey says yes. Joey remembers it. Poop exploding out of a bag? Yeah, no, I clearly don't remember. Oh, oh, it was that one. It was during the. It was during a quick look of something. Was or, there a poop? Uh, extended test. No, it looked like there was a bag on the table. Oh, okay. This was for um, the. Uh, what uh, was it? The touch the uh, motion. Um, the leap motion. Leap motion controller. Yeah, that thing was which poop. was a sack of crap, but there was no actual <laughs> sack of crap. No, we just had the crap and the explosion. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you guys next week. Very good. Bye.